Empires do not suffer emptiness of purpose at the time of their creation. It is when they have become established that aims are lost and replaced by vague ritual. Words of Muad'Dib by the Princess Irulan. Spice World, an inebriated exploration of Frank Herbert's Dune Messiah. My name is Derek. And my name is Mike. With each chapter, we open up a new bottle of wine and have a bit of a buzzed book club here. Yes, we do, Mike. And we got a little red wine, a little California Pinot Noir today. Yeah. Sea and Sun. Sea and... Oh, ooh, sea, is it Sea and oh, Sun oh, or no, just oh, Sea no Sun? End. Sea Sun? Sea Sun? Season? Oh, sea, oh. Uh, sea Sun, Sea Sun. I think it's what they're going for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what Mike said. Uh, <laughs> beautiful bottle of wine. Very watery taste, though. But I'll take it. Yeah, it is. I mean, like, we had a lot, uh, lot to, a lot to sort of sample throughout the year. Not my favorite. I know, yeah. But, I mean, it's not it a great. bad thing. It just it seems like uh, this is the kind of thing I'd want ice in. Maybe add some fruit. Maybe go like a pseudo sangria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I would go with this one. I love it. I love it. But that's not what we're here for, Mike. We're here for some more Messiah. Oh, we're not here here to drink wine? No. Well, we we can do two things. I can walk and chew gum. Okay. Uh, How about you? Um, (laughs) Nope. Nope, not at all. I sit down, (laughs) chew my gum, and then I do activities. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we are digging into chapter four. Pretty good quote coming into this one. Yeah. I love it. It applies really liberally to each character in this chapter mm-hmm. in a little ways because we've so far removed from like the establishing of the Empire. You can imagine all that purpose Paul had the day we overthrew Shaddam, right? Everything we knew was going into it and how 15 years later, it's all just like, what are we doing? Why are we here? This reminds me to uh, working with small businesses. Mm-hmm. Like when you're getting going and starting up, you're going, you're going hard. Like, you're grinding the midnight oil. You're trying to... Burning the midnight oil. You're, yeah. yeah. Hey, mortar and pestle. It's fine. Hey, you do with you. <laughs> you, you, do with, you know hey, I can't walk at you bubble gum, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> no, you're totally right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, you, you know, you're, you're hustling when you're getting going. But, like, then you get established, and then you just sort of do things for the sake of doing them. Mainly... Weekly meetings. Have you ever been a part of a weekly oh, meeting? Oh, I love that. Yeah. And realize just how useless and much of a waste of time it is. You know what? Even if to go with the micro scale, no, the weekly meeting, the first three, awesome, needed, because you're there to solve a problem. Right, right, right. And then the problem solved, and you keep doing the meeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally know. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, boy, it's such a waste of time. It's killing me. That is what this whole meeting is like yeah, in this chapter. That's what, it's, it's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. I could totally relate to this, and I'm sure a lot of other people can too. Yeah. Like, aims are lost, and vague ritual is our new replacement. Mm-hmm. And that's why Paul's like, you go talk to the people. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Stilgar is like, you do this business. Like, we are all over the place right. in this meeting. And that's why uh, I, I love this chapter. Uh, this is a really important one to me, kind of like the dinner scene. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a very animated chapter. It's so much better than the last meeting we were at. Well, we get, I mean, everyone talks. Every, exactly. Yeah. Everyone's got names. Everybody talks. 
Everyone has different motivations and they're all eyeballing each other. Yeah, but we only get a couple of like internal monologues from a couple people. Main, mainly Paul. Mainly Paul. Yeah, a little bit of Aaliyah. Is there another one that you know? Do we get? No. I don't think we get Irulan's point we of view. We definitely didn't get Corvo, which is what I was kind of looking forward to. Oh, why, why do you want to get in Corvo's head? Because we know he's the traitor. Yeah. Like he's in charge of the Keats route. We know that like they want to sort of just make a martyr of Paul. Okay. And I, t- like really boast the religion. Yeah. Because, like, I think he's gotten to a point where, like, Paul's sort of, like, outlasted his usefulness. He's not going the way we want now. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to know more about Corbett's perspective. All right, all right. I can appreciate that. And I think we'll just have to pull what we can out of the few lines we do get from Mm -hmm. him. Yeah, because it's not much. But this chapter, it actually starts off strong with a little Corba. Corba is getting interrupted, right? Okay. Because Aaliyah comes into the room. Yeah. And I love this. Aaliyah's coming in, and she's just like, oh. This is going to be a shit meeting. Uh, people are already on edge. <laughs> like, she can just see it. Irulan won't look at Cheney. Stilgar is nervously shuffling papers. And apparently an unlimited supply of folders he's going to be pulling out <laughs> as the chapter goes. Does he have a filing cabinet He's got so many folders. I get, like, irritated. I didn't think that, like, Stilgar was going to go so, like... Oh, uh, you didn't... He's a... Mike, you knew he wrote books. I think you... You don't know Home Stilgar. When Stilgar gets I home, that's fair. I think it's reading glasses go on. He sits down. Maybe, yeah. maybe. A little rocking chair. Like, <laughs> I just need my pen. I guess he's getting up there, isn't he? No, he's no, been... no, no, no. How old was he when he He wasn't, him? he wasn't like spice old yet. <laughs> he was still like. He wasn't Golden Girls. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's like an adult, but yeah. like, no. Okay, I forget about the spice too. Yeah, I don't even think we're past his pride. Sure, sure, like, sure. I think he could still uh, beat any whelp, you know, in the tribe probably. kind of deal. Well, probably. Uh, but so he's shuffling those, and then Paul is scowling at Korba, the Kizara. Oh, the, yeah, they're in the middle of a conversation. Yeah, well, Korba's Cor- going on telling Paul, look, there aren't as many gods as there once were. It's like, yeah, because you guys killed them all. <laughs> Jesus, Gorba. <laughs> and uh, Aaliyah laughs at this. And I like this. So she came in with like her hood on. Yeah. This yeah. is what causes her hood to come back. This is and, so cinematic. Yeah, because this, oh, you know what you're shown. It's just Jessica. Yeah. It's the mini oval face, the oh, cap God. of red hair. She would be like almost identical, wouldn't she? No, yes. no, she wouldn't because she still got, you got the hawk later. The heart. Okay. But you know, you know, when you have like, uh, so uh, I have a niece and a nephew because my, my right, brother's right. children, right? His, the nephew looked exactly like my brother. It was so oh. uncanny. Like all the baby pictures from us growing sure, up, sure, like sure. it looked exactly like my brother mm-hmm. i was over there uh this past weekend and my niece is now like a year oldish okay a uh, year and a half and uh her face was like i was talking with uh, the sister-in-law melissa and be like i don't really recognize her like is that what you look like as a baby and she's like yeah it totally oh, like wow it's like their daughter looks exactly her except the hair color swapped Okay. So the boy has the mom's hair color and the girl has the dad's hair color. But then the faces, it's so cool. So huh? maybe it's just a hip new Jessica is what we're sort of seeing here. Yeah. So I just want to say, like, I I totally think you could just entirely see Jessica in there. Maybe one or two Lado features. Have red but hair? She did. She, so maybe this is, is this a black haired uh, Jessica almost? No, no, no. She had the cap of red hair, bronze hair on the top. Yeah. Oh, Aaliyah? Aaliyah does. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. She didn't have black hair. Okay. She didn't get the other, that Aledo thing. No. Uh, so I don't really think she has the hawk features. I think she uh, totally okay. takes off with okay. her mom. And I think Frank also probably wants her to symbolically be that. Cause we're be not the Jessica 2.0. <laughs> well, no, 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 but like, uh, yeah, kind of, but sort of that like, uh, cont- companion role with Paul in this, right, right, in right. this story that we're going to go in. Cause right, we're not, right. not going to see much Jessica in Messiah. Hmm. 
It's interesting that like Jessica fulfills the role of companion, even though Jessica is not here. In a way, she is though. In a way, she is. It's it's a little weird. Yeah. Oh, it's it definitely a little weird. <laughs> a little weird is being like pretty generous too. <laughs> that's but, uh, it's on their family crest, I think. <laughs> just a little bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> but for Paul, <laughs> now I like Aliyah's coming in, and she's like, Corba uh, is ultimately he's upset at what the common people are talking about the emperor. People are talking shit, and Aliyah's just like, well, you know, I know what's being said about your Kizarat. Uh, you're not divines. You're god spies. This like sends Korva off, right? He's like, we are sent by the writ of Moadib so he can know the people and the people can know him. And she's like, fucking spies. <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> I love it. I think Aaliyah's my spirit animal. Yeah. So remember, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Do we get to consider her as a 15 year old or is she just purely the adult? I think you have to do both. I think she's, uh, She's an old soul in a young body, for sure. Mm -hmm. But she's still—I mean, there's still things you can't—you uh, can't stop. Like Jessica was always a victim to her own passions. Mm -hmm. I think Aaliyah's going to be a lot of the same way. You know, no, as you said, I think of her when the little girl went and dabbed her eyes on like the the robe on her oh, mom's yeah. robe and like flattened it right back out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there are some like child notions in there that like. So uncanny. It's like, yes, she's got all of these, like, different people in her head, and she is, like, unique in a lot of different aspects, but at the end of the day, you still gotta remember, she is still a 15-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. Like, <sighs> despite everything else on top of it, I think she has trouble with her own identity sometimes, but, like, yeah, she yeah. is wise enough to sort of, like, start working through that from her birth. Yeah, yeah. It's like she's like a 15-year-old with an advantage, but still a 15-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now. This is going to be our new, like, uh, 30, was it uh, uh, 31, you, uh, 21 again or whatever the movie was? What do you mean? Like 13 going on 30? Like those 13 kind of? 13 going on 30? Yeah. It's like, or was that Zac Efron one? What do you mean? Does he turn into an adult yeah, or a child? He or? turns into a child. Turns into a sixteen-year-old Zach Efron. It's just like hell yeah, I'm gonna party. <gasps> it was uh, like the reverse of like yeah. thirteen going on thirteen. I had to watch that movie. Oh, so you did see it? I the theater I worked at got oh. all. The, we we got the terrible movies. That was literally what we were known for. So like the action. I heard it was a good one. The action movies go to Metro Four. The big movies go to the Arlington, and these came to the <laughs> my theater, Mike, the Fiesta Five. <laughs> Why isn't it Fiesta Cinco? Why isn't it Party Five? I don't know, but it was the Fiesta Five. It's an alliteration. Yeah, yeah, in Santa Barbara. Uh, but I totally remember watching that movie. I don't know the name of it. I don't remember liking it. Uh, it's like, oh, I don't even remember. It's like 17 again or something. Oh, that's actually, it. That, that is it. That is oh, it. Shit. <laughs> that's so to the point. Sorry it took us so long to Why get there. Why 17? I don't know. I just, you know, want to go right under all my rights. Uh, <laughs> that's where, that's where I want to slide into the worst part of our like entire existence. Well, just so close to like all your freedom. Like, we can go to like 19. You're not like, even a kid. Like no yeah. one is going to treat you like a child. They're all just going to be pissed off that you're acting stupid. Oh man. But so like, what was your point? <laughs> Jesus Christ. My, <laughs> my point is that like Aaliyah is like, this very seasoned individual mentality, their knowledge, their history. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, <laughs> they're in a younger body, but they still had to grow up and learn those things too. And like try and differentiate themselves and their own sense of identity. Cause what if, if they had a child and that knowledge was passed on, who would Aaliyah be in the grand scheme of things? 
what knowledge is passed on? Um, like, the genetic knowledge of, like, say, uh, they had a daughter, and that daughter, like, became a reverend mother or whatever, had access to their past. Got you. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, well, who would Aaliyah be in ooh. that river? Yeah, yeah. In that ocean? Yeah, where that with the... Ooh. I think she's got to have her own sense of identity, that she's at least decided this is going to be me at the very least for my own sanity's sake right right and that's so weird that i think she consciously had to carve that space up too I, which I, which no one else has I ever think had right. to do. but i yeah. also think that she again would be able to take the time and be like i think this is what i have to do i, I i'm right there with you let me uh let's keep going with this sure because like we gotta get into paul's head mike sure because he's looking at Aaliyah. Let's and he's get like to another <laughs> like, fucked an, up another fucked up guy. <laughs> 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 well he's just like why is Aaliyah fucking with Corva? Like, she just came in and skewered him for no reason. <laughs> and then in this moment, he sees her as a woman for the first time. Ah. She's like, yeah, I mean, you've been distracted for, like, some, you know, these years. Like, I'm sure you would never have this point. <laughs> Paul just wakes up after 12 years like, oh, Aaliyah. That is really what this seems like. Him just like, well, like, whoa. A, a lot. I mean, the, the jihad ends today, that's, Mike. That's today did you not catch that no the jihad ends today i did not realize that yeah oh that's big that's really that's why i love this chapter <laughs> but all right let me keep going with this oh so my god I'm a uh, mess. he sees her as a woman yeah she's beautiful she's mature it's kind of all clicking for him mm -hmm. to be like oh yeah i mean it's been 15 years Paul's like also lost in his own sense of past and future like it, it's difficult for him to be like conscious of the present sometimes we get the sense that he's been, that's been a burden for him for mm -hmm. these 12 years. Yeah. Especially with whatever this like future is that he's been dealing with that he just now, it's only today from his conversation with Cheney that he's decided disengage, disengage, I, honestly, disengage. I, I loved the terrible purpose things in book one. I hate the disengages of this book. It's not as, it's not as catchy. It sounds so mechanical. Yeah. It's, it's supposed to. Uh, wait, give, give me it, Mike. Let what? me hear. Let me hear those uh, sweet words. I deliberately did this. Yeah. Did he really? I think he did. Okay. Now he. Uh, I like how Paul though through this whole chapter he uh, has a knee jerk reaction to people, and then it's always followed with empathy, which I really like. Where that kind of colors Paul. I think he is. We colored him the tyrant at the end of the book, with the exception that he has the scale. Of like, hold up. With this, he has a scale of concern that he's always weighing things by. We're like, you're worried about this immediate issue, but he can see the jihad further off, and that's always what he's using to make his decisions, which makes his like immediate ones maybe seem callous or unforgiving. But I think he does have the well-being of everybody in mind when he tries to make. So a choice. I mean, I guess you make a good point. We're like. The idea that is the knee-jerk reaction, the idea that he says this because he has more information to work with than any other people. But we like, don't know it, right? We don't know that. We judge him from everyone, the immediacy. Everyone's a mentat in their own right. Just everyone's bad, a bad mentat. Yeah, always. It's I, like, I think in a way, Mike, there's only bad mentats. I mean, they're, true. They're limited by their information. Well, and the truth is just an unknowable thing. True. It's fluid. And Paul just knows so much and so many different truths in a way because like all of these things could happen well the, and well there's a difference of process for you and i we can think of what will my actions do paul can see that it, yeah, it's exactly, so much more exactly. absolute for him of not like, just see experience yeah 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 well like living that little timeline yeah. right yeah i i totally agree with you so yeah no i i mean i get you make a very good point that like i think paul at his core does have good intentions and wants things to work out mm -hmm. but like 
he he doesn't like think about that before he speaks. He's very impulsive. Just like no, like that's a dumbass idea. Shut the fuck up. And yeah. Like, I, well, well, okay. Sorry. It has merit, and I it's thank you for bringing it to the table. Well, no, yeah, well, I'm yeah. Consider it. I, I take what you're saying, and like I would kind of phrase this. Yeah, I don't think he explains himself to he people. Doesn't, right. So he, then Gurney doesn't understand why you're like when Gurney said the uh, the Absalom quote. Yeah. Paul did the right thing in a way. He just he didn't take the time to explain the scale of everything to you. To be like, right. No, you don't understand in a thousand years. Like yada, yada. Like it's a stupid amount of information. You would have well, to think be about like, how much to time it would take to explain that. That's you what I'm can't saying. Do it in the moment. It, yeah. I don't think you could like you'd both be old men, but, and do you understand I'm now? Sure. I wish he had actually talked to Gurney about that too. At least Jessica, I, I think I had an idea of things just based off of her lineage. She, he never really talked to her about <laughs> it, to be honest. Yeah. But, Jessica had enough of an idea to be like, okay, Paul, I sort of see where you're coming from. To make that leap. Exactly. So all that is to say that I just want to highlight throughout this chapter that I I feel like him having this empathy is very apparent in this chapter, and I think it was present in those other moments, but we get to really experience it here. So he looks at Aaliyah, like, why is she attacking Korba? Then he's like, my sister's grown up. And then he goes under the thought of, like, she was a reverend mother without motherhood, a virgin priestess, object of veneration, Aaliyah of the knife. Ooh, and just like she's been given that title. Those are all things, though, that aren't her. There's no identity there. She had to form that identity, like we were saying, yeah. of carving out. These are all things forced upon her. She didn't get a choice in much like he did. And he's sort of like seeing her as a victim in right. the same way he is. Because right? Saint Aaliyah of the knife? I definitely don't think she gave herself that title. No, no. That's she, definitely a piece of rock kind it, of thing. Well, at least she never asked for it. She came into it. True. I mean, she certainly... I, mean, I guess that is in a way like, that is my name now. Yeah. <laughs> like it. Yeah, it's weird. Now, this is where we get to our line uh, that I read you last week, okay. where Irulan's like, this isn't time for Leah's levity. And Paul <laughs> ignores her. <Lefty. laughs> which is... I remember I first <laughs> out laughing. During it's so good. Little... It's so good. <laughs> I, I feel so bad for Irulan, so though. So bad. Like, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we knew why she went into this. Like, yeah, this makes sense. We got to do this. Her thinking that she was going to get an air out of this and, like, go... You know, fulfill her role within the Benny Gesserit as well. What? Out of the, I don't think she she wasn't thinking she was going to get an heir out of this meeting. You don't? No, not this no. meeting. I'm just talking about when she made the deal for Paul to be emperor. Yeah, yeah, yeah way yeah. back when. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, in these twelve years past, hasn't has not happened. I took this chapter as her trying to save Paul's life. Oh, I think that's what she's doing. You here. think she was taking a book or a page out of Saitel's book and being like, I'm going to give you an out kind of, but in a way it's an out for both of them. Cause again, like how we highlighted for her at the end of chapter two, Irulan has a lot of paths to survival. She mm. can walk away from the conspiracy still. There's still right. time. Like she has options. Other people don't. And I think in this one, and that's why she gets so viciously mad at the end. Cause she's trying to save his life. She doesn't Ooh. know what Paul has seen though. Paul knows that if she has the child, something happens to Cheney and he's not oh. willing to, he can't let that happen. She doesn't know he can't. It's so great that then, they, but, but if Paul has Cheney's child then something else will happen. Exactly. Something so he, Paul just doesn't which, want to have which, children. As you say, which he won't tell us but about. But then the next book is called children of Dune. <laughs> he's going to have a baby in this book. Hey, somebody's going to have a baby. <laughs> Now, okay. uh, this ends though, like I told you, with uh, Corba's like, they're expecting you. Paul's like, put on my fucking turban. You go give the prayer. Because Paul, he, 
He's not. He does. He's not in. He does not care about no. this religion. He doesn't want this root at all. He doesn't want it at all. And I think, obviously, without even going into it, you can clearly say, see how Korba is breaking from Paul, or why the Kizarat in general yeah. is breaking with their god emperor, so to speak. Because well, like he's. I not don't like to use that term because yeah, like you're tricking me. I, is it going to be Paul? Is it not going to be Paul? I guess we'll see. Hey, Mike, you know, one book's called God Emperor. (laughs) We'll see if Paul's in that one. Uh, An interesting point, in fact, in the first book, I don't think he ever said that, like, I'm your Mahdi or anything. I think he always just said, like, I am your, like, I am Muad'Dib and just say, like, this is what I can do. I don't think he ever, like, I think he, like, rode that fine line of just, like, (laughs) I look at what I can do. I'm amazing. But never said, like, I'm your prophet so, or like, anything along those lines. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to stop the show to look into it. I'm sort of leaning towards that one bit when him and Jessica got to the cavern, when he mm-hmm. stands up and he has the envelope with the ring around it, right. and I did my JFK personation. Right, right, right. I feel like in that one, he might have he might have said it, but... No, I think he channeled it a little bit, but he never definitely said it. He he walked that Mentat lawyer line. It's very <laughs> political. Yeah. I definitely think that was on purpose there. That is great. But yeah. We, but I think it definitely turned into something he doesn't want. So I love this idea. Corva, put this on. Head on out, buddy. And Corva's <laughs> just like, all right. Corva goes and does it, though. And uh, I love this next line here of uh, Irulan's smothered irritation at being ignored. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. Watch Corva arise to obey. She'd had the sudden disquieting thought that Edric might not hide her actions from Aaliyah. What do we really know of the sister, she wondered. Now, that's going to come up a lot Good in point, this chapter. Though. Do you think that in part that's why she hates Aaliyah? Uh, no. Those are the reasons. <laughs> and, well, I think it's the bastard Bene Gesserit. I guess that's a good point. So I think it, it's something to do with that aspect of Aaliyah not going through the channels, but being a reverend mother before... Irulan is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Irulan, who we've had Gaius, Helen, and Sightail, and I think Paul be like, she's a failed Bene Gesserit project. Like, Dude. everyone's been like, this girl sucks. Like, my God. No one cares about her. And that's why I have a lot of sympathy for her in this chapter where yeah. she is an island of selfdom, to borrow that line from Moadib that she'll use in a book at one point. She's nope. not a bad person, but no one is going to be on her side for anything. Yeah, yeah. Except guys from Helen, but it's not for no, her side. It's no, no, for no. the Betty Jesuit side. Yeah, not on her side. Oh, use God. Guys Helen's using her. No one loves Irulan. Save maybe Shaddam. Maybe, maybe, uh, Even maybe it, deep down, maybe there is a connection between Edric and Irulan. Maybe that, maybe they got more in common than they thought. I'll ship it. Fuck I it. I like, I gagged a little bit. <laughs> oh. Ew. Ew. Even, oh, that would be like the ultimate, like, Kevin, like, ew, he's so gross. <laughs> the, end, yeah. the end of the movie, they're together, they're yeah. married, yeah. A couple kids floating in tanks. <laughs> oh, no. Writing books. I love it. But I want to point to that uh, Paul and Irulan are both going to question Aaliyah's ca- capacity for abilities here. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Even in the first book, Paul had no idea what she was really capable of. And honestly, neither do we, based off of her. Right. I'm going to leave you a little message in space time, by the way. What I'm flagging for you here, Mike, is Frank's ready to talk about it. Oh, my God. That's why we're having these characters bring it up. Now, uh, we also learned within this kind of uh, quick dialogue that Stilgar is now Minister of State. So, like, all right. Okay. Uh, And... Wasn't he going to be governor of Arrakis? Yeah. Yeah, he was going to have that job. What happened to that? (laughs) I don't think this is a promotion. Well, no, no, wait. This is totally a promotion. Yeah. You went from governor to like a cabinet position, so sure. Okay, sure. Cabinet, yeah. And you might have both titles. 
Maybe. He just definitely is ministering imperial affairs, right? right, right? right. Um, and we get, so we are in Irulan's head here for a little bit because she's looking at Stilgar and she's like, does he long for a simpler life? And that's oh. her being like, can I possibly reach out to him? Like, can Stilgar she's join? She's trying to find friends. Well, join the conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think friends. I think friends well, are out allies. of the question. Allies. We're going to see Stilgar clearly doesn't want to be her friend. Like, <laughs> even he treats her like shit today. God, <laughs> I feel so bad for her. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, even growing up with uh, Shaddam, just like no love there. No, no, no. They had, they were pretty close. Oh, that's right. We went in her backstory. It was her and her mom weren't, but she was, she was that's Shaddam's right. mom, favorite child. Her mom, who did her mom like? Um, she liked the, uh, chastity, chast- was it chastity or chastis? Um, uh, but yeah, the daughter that, uh, when Sissia might've practiced poison on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now go back to Stilgar though. Let me keep going here. Mike. All right. He's got a little salt and pepper in the hair too. Okay. It's going a little yeah. wide at the temples, but his eyes are still powerful. The eagle stare of the wild. Hell yeah. Okay. Stilgar at least is, you know. Still a naive, because you know what, Mike? The catch tube indentation is still in his beard. He has a callus there. He'll never grow that hair, like, yeah. right under his nose. Yeah. It's always going to be a little bald spot there. I wonder if that mark is just going to be, like, a mark of fear for people. Yeah, I, I bet it would be, like, something, especially as time goes on. Like, like less not, and less yeah. fremen are going to have it. And that would be, like, that's a you know, I wouldn't even be in the same room as you, that person. Oh. <laughs> That's, that's someone who's been on the jihad, Mike. Like, that is a fudikin. Or Ooh, what was that? Excuse me? <laughs> that's not even your, your pronunciation. <laughs> a fudikin. <laughs> Fudikin. Uh, I think it was almost like an Aaliyah pronunciation. <laughs> and uh, so Irulan's looking at him. We're going to follow Stilgar's gaze because he's staring out at Corba uh, on the balcony. Mm-hmm. And Corba's out there. Corba is just like high on life right now right he gives this whole thing he's giving a speech as moadib as moadib and he comes back in and he just sits down and he's like just glowing you know the worst part is they don't really talk about anything in between this paul totally could have gone out and done that definitely like just again reasserts the fact that he wants nothing to do with this like religion and like manic well zealotry and i guess part of it too is so that uh stilgar can get this one view because he sees a vision this is very important. Ooh. We had visions in the beginning of Dune, right? Sure, this sure. is going to be our foreshadowing. Frank is pretty like, um, uh, I, w- I want to say like obvious with this. What's a good word for that? Obvious? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Forthcoming? Yes. Thank you. And like just acutely brings it to your attention. Uh, so this is Stilgar looking out there and he sees Korba, outstretched arms uh, for the benediction and a trick of the afternoon sun cast a red halo onto the window behind him for a moment. Stilgar saw the court Kizara as a figure crucified on a fiery wheel. <gasps> How do we describe Arrakis one point, Mike? It was the center of the wheel ready to spin. Was it? Yeah. I don't remember that. Of a wheel within wheels. Um, oh, page 726 out of 885. Will you look at that thing, Stilgar? Oh, this is while they're looking at from the shield wall. So this was the epigraph? Epitaph. Damn, I'm never going to fucking... No, get... no, you're right. Oh! You're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I, I God, you had me confused for a second there. <laughs> I always correct you. Yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> I think that's how I'm... I just used to, like, I'll just say it's, the opposite. It's a forgotten thing. It's something where I, I will, I'll just say, it's either an epigraph or an epitaph, everybody. <laughs> um, now... So I'm like, uh, looking at this back up. This is back when um, Paul and Stilgar are overlooking that giant metal tent. 
Mm-hmm. This was the chapter header for that one. And that day dawned when Arrakis lay at the hub of the universe with the wheel poised to spin. Oh. So it was at the hub instead of center there. Okay. Uh, but I, I think that's why we're reusing the wheel. Arrakis is the wheel. And now it's a fiery wheel. Well, no, Arrakis isn't the wheel. It's like the center of the wheel, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I But the, from which all things pivot. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I'm sorry. But it's just like the, everything revolves around this saying, one point. It's the axle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. So it's the central point of like, so now Korba, it's sort of like saying like, Whatever he the, is currently the, the one, center like of the, the plan. Center, yeah. Yeah. Of a fiery plan. Oh. But Stokar, he doesn't have the pieces. He's, uh, you know, meant to have bad information. He doesn't know what this means. He's going to accept it. And he's not one to believe in the Tau, right? I don't even think he accepts that that was a vision. He's probably like, that was just a glare on the window. The Tau? The Tau? He was a part of the Tau. No, but oh. he's one. He kind of like likes to step back from superstition, though. That's what I mean. Of like, you know how he, he always wanted Moadib to be like, check you know be part of it but like i believe in science a little bit and it's like no you're a creature of faith you know you are i just think he's just not willing to see that he saw a vision right here now each meeting with paul it's it's very in line with kinds yeah 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 yeah, they are very i don't think we made that connection in the first one is sort of going to be like our closest equivalent to kinds going forward here i I don't think you need to make a parallel for everything because at at some point we we also are watching a story arc finish that's fair which is important but like, uh, just I guess I'm just trying to establish people going forward because like when you we want, first met Stilgar as our cynic, he was I mean like he was a realist in the right first no book. but I mean in yeah I I would say Kynes was sort of the cynic he was the cynic and that, I'd say that's that, the like, role Stilgar that has probably evolved into that yeah going forward yeah I think that's a that's an okay comparison of like yeah. that's gonna be pretty close roles they'll play with one another because even right here uh, Stilgar is saying like every meeting he has with Paul. He hopes to find fault or a mistake with his like his messiah, mm. even though he knows that sacrilege. And I think it's like he wants Paul to be human again, right? He wants to like just make you normal one more time. That kid that I met I in the desert, want to be brothers again. Exactly. Yeah. This met this you know my brother in the desert. We can go ride a worm together. Mm. That's all I want. Uh, <laughs> Turn that movie, that song. That's <laughs> too much. <laughs> oh, oh Toto, oh Toto. Now. Corba, he finishes the prayers. He returns to the table, and uh, Paul's gaze follows him. And you can imagine this is just like daggers because Corba is high on religious power, like we said. And he comes back in, and he just says, "The spirit presence has been invoked." <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, that's why we got Aaliyah here. Thank the Lord for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aaliyah, I love her so much. I know. Corba's lips go white with rage. <laughs> yeah, Aaliyah's here to keep it fucking real, and uh, she's so much like it's almost that she is what Paul wants to say. She will say. It's yeah. Paul is like playing the role. Aaliyah, no fucks to give. Not my empire, not my problem. I love that, like, Corba is the voice of the prophet and Aaliyah is the voice of the man. Wait, what is it? Say it one more time. Corba's the voice of the prophet, Aaliyah's the voice of the man. Sure. Yeah. It's like, Corba, shut the fuck up. <laughs> this is what your emperor really wants yeah. to say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, now, Paul, he wonders again at Aaliyah's motives. Like, why is she tearing into Corba here? <laughs> And then um, a similar thought to Irulan's with, like, what had the Quisach Haderach program produced in her? Mm-hmm. Of all the variables it did to me, what did it do to my sister? And so I'm just saying, Mike, there's a lot of wondering about Aaliyah's potential here. Well, they were along the, they were in the same exact uh, plane of 
like Kwisa Chadwick progress. Yeah. It could have been her child. Well, like even setting that aside, like say, take that same thing and then you add the extra pre-birth mother and like, the yeah. pre-birth on yeah, Aaliyah. Exactly. Like he's like, what does that do? Like if that had happened to me, essentially like right, right, right. Where, where would I have been? Cause in theory it would be her child would have been the Kwisa Chadwick. Right. Uh, Paula's. Paula. Yeah. 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 I guess yeah. Paul, yeah the female, kind of weird. That bird, the daughter that should have been born. Right. 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 Yeah, definitely. Um, now, Paul then has a, uh, his thoughts are sort of like a recap of Aaliyah's story arc thus far. Mm-hmm. Preborn, yada, yada. We all know this kind of thing. We were there with Romalo the day of. Mm-hmm. But we do get one quote of Aaliyah on her, about her awakening, kind of from her point of view, which I always love when these come up because they're few and far between. And she says, like, I became my mother and all the others. I was unformed, unborn, but I became an old woman then and there. Oh, and like that's yeah, like you're saying, like she had to carve out that little bit to be herself. Exactly. Before she was that, she was everybody else. Because imagine just waking up to everything and all that knowledge. I yeah, that's I can't. Like, kind of horrifying. Definitely is. Of yeah, there's no and no there's self. No, there's no way any any person reading this book could relate to her. Yeah, I just the idea of not having an eye but having all the yeah, it's so it's so like uh, cringy, right? Now, Aaliyah senses Paul's looking at her, and I love it. It's like she gives him puppy dog eyes, uh, which this is, <laughs> this is something she has done many a time because uh, she smiles at him. His expression softens. How could anyone react to Corbo with anything other than cynical humor? <laughs> what is more ridiculous than a death commando transformed into a That's priest? That's what I was going to ask. Wasn't he the leader of the death commandos? Uh, no, he wasn't the leader, but he was one of the first Fadaikas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, him and awesome. He shaved like Sardaukar down. I remember. For, yeah, we. He was the one we stopped. Yeah. Uh, Corba, this was my fault. I didn't tell you. You need to shave them all. They have transmitters and yada yada. Yeah, that I was, love that your Paul is always Kennedy. That that Paul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At that moment in that cave when I tell you things. <laughs> yeah, that was Corba. That was young Corba. My God, this is where this is where he's ended up. This is how far he's fallen. I would say. Maybe now. We got to get down to business, Mike. Stilgar's going to tap some papers on the table. <laughs> tap. Then he's like, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah. Because he's like, excuse me, I have actual work to get done here while you guys are fucking with Corba. Yep. <laughs> um, which, if my liege permits. Yeah. God, that just, uh, it sounds horrible to read. Oh, See, I, I, I think, as in what? Of like, you just don't want him to say it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to pull out his first uh, paper or first folder. We have many folders to get through. The two-pile treaty. The guild wants it signed without revealing two-pile's location. So. Makes sense. Well, we learned that um, this has been ongoing for a number of years. Paul could have easily signed this. He's chosen not to. All for the sake of keeping the guild off balance. Mm -hmm. That's the only benefit they got, right? Because Irulan wants to know, like, what pressure Stilgar has applied to the problem. And which is like, Irulan, you should not be talking. Just like this isn't me saying yeah. it. Like I'm on your side for this I chapter, mean, but no one in this room I guess is going to she respect you. Doesn't really you. like have anything to add to this particular Ooh, point. But does you she? know what? Hold on. If I can just go to her current corner, though, play with yeah. the devil's, devil's advocate. advocate. Yeah, give it to me. You know what? This is a woman who's in hostile territory. She knows she's in a room where every single person hates, hates her. her. Yeah, hates her. Has no respect for her. But she doesn't give a fucking inch, Mike. She is willing to push back on the emperor himself. Talk smack to him the whole way through. 
Can she? I don't think, I think she, she can. You know, she probably knows what the limits are, but I just love that she's not willing to bat an eye. She'll fucking do it. In, it's like, in as, long the as, face of, as long as they don't bring up kids and sleeping with other men, it doesn't fucking matter. But she does bring up the kids. And I'm just saying, but Mike, we're jumping in at a random day. This has been 12 years of her life. Every day it's been like this. Oh my this. God. And she can still do it. She still shows up, chin held high. She's going to be there. I respect her. This is right. why this is why I liked Irulan, and I mean it's not in the first book, nowhere in it. But like this is the kind of moment where at least she shows she is a backbone. Mm-hmm. She's willing to take what she wants and do what she wants to get what she wants. Now, yeah. does she succeed? Hell no. She fails <laughs> miserably. But it's like it's one more than Jessica ever did. Hey, hey, yeah. Yeah. Good point. All right. So the, what's that say in the comparison between Aaliyah and Irulan? If Aaliyah is sort of like got a lot of Jessica in her. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. She may, but Aaliyah's got a lot, a lot in her. That's true. It got a lot of everybody, right? That's true. Uh, you're going to meet Aaliyah in this book. You haven't met Aaliyah I yet. I guess, no, I'm thinking about a, yeah. a pre-Reverend Mother Jessica, aren't I? And even like a Reverend, you're just thinking Jessica. And like, I don't think, uh, don't get don't get Aaliyah caught up in that. She looks like her. She's not Jessica. Okay. But you keep saying she is. What do you mean? Like, no, I, I've said she'd like her. She's playing the role of. That's, okay. That's okay. Similarities, I, Mike. Okay. I think you're doing the Paul thing. You're saying enough to be like, confuse me. Sure. A yeah. little bit. A little bit. Think- uh, but I, I'm just saying, you got to give uh, Aaliyah will. She has way more purpose and initiative than Jessica. Jessica's okay. was solely invested in the children, right? right Being right. Paul and then this unborn child. What's Aaliyah invested in? I guess that's a good question. Yeah. We got to figure it out. Yeah. All right. Now, let's carry on with Irulan here. Stilgar's reply to her. She asked him, like, what are you applying to the problem? And I don't even know if he looks at her, but he's like, uh, with a stiff formality that says, like, you're not my supervisor. It's just like, I'm doing everything my emperor told me to do. Done. Uh, Irulan responds by calling Paul her lord husband. This sort of, like, forces him to acknowledge her. And then also, in Paul's mind, he's like, hmm. Her emphasizing this title is like a bit of a weak point for you, Irulan. Like it's every it shows that's beneath you. Yeah, I, I think it was just enough. But that, like all she has to really like get herself like heard at the table. And you know what? I again going to Irulan's corner. It did work. Yeah, you did respond. Like, hey, that's all she wanted. She made you acknowledge her. Mm-hmm. That was it. That was the whole point of the game. Uh, and this does make Paul share his dislike of her. And then again, it's tempered because Paul has this empathy in him. He hates her at first. He's like, oh, what a stupid bitch. And then he's like, oh, she's been like a Bene Gesserit pawn, just like I have, just like Aaliyah has. And that like softens him a little bit. And I'm like, oh, I feel like we have a later reaction than Jessica reaction. Oh, Yeah. I think that's the duality in Paul right now that we're feeling. Yes, sir. Totally. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And then he catches himself and he does the right thing. Like he doesn't, well, no, he did a better thing. He doesn't show the empathy, right, but right. he does process the he empathy. He at least process it. <laughs> Which Lano, Lano Lano slams left. doors into like old women's faces and walks and then, away. And then forgets that old woman existed. <laughs> now, Irulan suggests like, well, why don't we hold the spice over the guild? That worked in Dune. Why wouldn't it work in Dune Messiah? <laughs> and okay. Ch- Cheney shakes her head like, no, no, no. And Stilgar is worried about a whole other matter of like, look, 
if they can hide people, and he's just referring to greater houses, great houses rather, and right. minor houses, Irulan's thinking like, <laughs> people? Um, <laughs> they could probably hide an army or a melange culture. Ooh, that's their ultimate fear. And it is what Sightail kind of said he wanted to do, right? They want to uh, set up, they want, honestly. Gai- wait, wait, Gaius Helen actually said it. I don't think Sightail ever said it, did he? I don't think he said it, but I think he alluded, he, like, he, he alluded to us in his monologue. Like, ultimately, we just want to have the spice separate because mm-hmm. we don't need to be a part of the Imperium. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, spice. he said we can break the coinage. Yeah. We have two coins. Yes. Um. So, like, yeah, there's this whole idea of making another melange cycle somewhere. Why is it so difficult to emulate this? Oh, Deus Ex Machina. It's really? Tr- it's truly the only reason, yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, they just for, for some reason we've never been able to make a synthetic. And I mean, I I think the only thing I think of, if you did, Mike, you would take away the whole political crux of the, true. Uh, the kind of like what you, I just think it's so weird with all the cloning and gene splicing yep. we have that we can't fucking make a, like a little miniature worm to be like, hey, give us some spice. But in the same manner, we can't make synthetic oil in our world. Oh, oh, can we? We can, we can make oil that lubricates something. We can't make a combustion. Like, oh, no, okay. Like gotcha. synthetic gasoline. To I like was going to say crude it. oil to like, okay. not like colloquially okay. what you put in your car. Gotcha, yes, gotcha, gotcha. Yes. I was like, I'm pretty sure I put synthetic in my car before. <laughs> I bought that last week. No, no, no. I mean, like, I'd like basic no, you, you're stuff. You're right, you're right, yeah. you're right. Because uh, if we could do that, we probably would have done that. Yeah, no, you're right. But everyone who's figured it out has been murdered. Uh, Ooh. Guaranteed by those companies. Probably. Um, so. Irulan suggests this. Everyone's like, no, 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 no. And Aaliyah comes in with some really art of war shit of just like, you don't back someone into a corner if you want them to act peacefully. Oh, Aaliyah with the Sun Tzu. Yeah, I was like, damn, yeah, that's some good advice right there. Uh, And I think this might be a point of strength for Irulan in that she has sat through this every day of like, this has been attrition on her. I think she's gotten thick skin. It's no wonder she joined this... uh... Conspiracy? Conspiracy. Because, like, honestly, at the end of the day, what else, who else can she turn to? Yeah. No. Nobody. It's it's a really... Uh, I mean, that's why she wrote so many books, probably. God, yeah. They're probably just all stained with tears. But none of them called Chaney a wife, though, because fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we went over the historian, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so... Like I said, this negotiation, we mentioned that it's been going on for 10 years. Now, I think it's interesting. Cheney says it's to keep the guild off balance. You and I both know we have a few options here, Mm Paul-wise. I feel like Paul could somehow get to the bottom of this if he really wanted to. But I think he's just been fucking with the guild. Like, why wouldn't he sign and just say, I don't care where it is? Right, right, right. You guys have had, like, thousands of years to, like, play your games. It's like, I'm going to fuck with you for a while. Yeah, it's weird, but it's just like, well, for how much his mom and his dad wanted to, you know, or Jessica wanted to go there so much, like, mm. there's importance to Tupile. True. I mean, it's, yeah, It's absolutely. weird that he just was, like, picking on the guild. I think, you're right. I think he just wants to put them on a leash. Now, so that said, why do you think he chooses today to sign the treaty? Because it's the end of the jihad? Exactly. You didn't know that before, though, I didn't, so but what, I'm putting what, it forward now. I know. No. <laughs> but now I know the answer I, to I'm the test. I'm a good I've got proper information. Yeah. But uh, so, like, before, though, what did you think was his, why, or did you not catch on that he'd waited so long and just this day decides to, like, end it all? I don't know. 
so has the end already happened or is this sort of the Geneva Convention we're officially ending things? All right, we're going to get to the... It's in one of these folders, Mike. One of these magic <laughs> folders has the <laughs> end of the job. All right, let me keep going with this then. Uh, so Aaliyah kind of tells them like, look, we want to avoid a showdown confrontation with our enemies. We have no special desire to kill them. There's enough butchery going on under the Atreides banner. I'm like, ah, now there is a satire of the cynicism of the ruling class. I feel like Frank's sort of slipping Ooh. in. Just how casually and blatantly Aaliyah is able to be like, oh, yeah, we are butchering people under, like, the banner Leto, you know, has raised. Right. And our family has brought in for generations. Terrible things are happening. It's same. we know. Are we stopping them? No. In a way, though, they can't. You can't temper faith. Sure, but we're not trying either. True. Well, because Paul knows it's futile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why even try? In it's the, still going to be worse now. Yeah, if futile in the sense of like, yeah, we don't go extinct, but like you're still ruining lives. <laughs> like, I'm not going to put out the fire because I can't, but like maybe we stop the people from pouring gasoline on it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? shot in the dark. Yeah. Uh, we don't make such a big fire. Uh uh, yeah, she just said they all are aware. It's mm -hmm. so like, it's it's an open secret in this room. Yeah. Right? We all know what's happening. And uh, Paul feels that he and Aaliyah both have a compelling responsibility for humanity. Now, again, this is that like empathy that we're, we're reinforcing. And maybe it's just to set up Paul for the rest of the book. Okay. So you can have this sort of empathetic view. Like he's clearly human, right? More human than when we left Dune. Right. In that last chapter. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was so cold. I mean, like, you, I mean, he's had 12 years, granted, yeah. to soften a little bit. And I'm glad to see, like, there's a soul in here, I feel. Like, there's a human being I can sympathize. I think, in a way, he's just getting tired. He, yeah, he's, he's so tired. He wanted to get out of this so yeah. bad, and he couldn't. Um, but I love this idea of, like, they have a compelling responsibility. And he asks, was it worth the price of his vision? Which we don't know what that is. Vision and price. Both are obscure to us. Oh, so is he signing this because of another future possibility then? Whatever that thing is, that disengage, disengage. Paul is having a vision every time that's coming up. Paul is seeing something. He knows a cost is, and he knows a is result. Is that golden path thing you were telling no, me no, about? No, no, no. Paul doesn't touch the golden path. Okay. He, oh my god. He doesn't even so I've always been like uh I'm pretty sure Frank hadn't decided on the golden path yet. I don't know for sure. I it doesn't come up till the next book though. And I think he I really think he figured it out in Children of Dune and then was like, shit, I should have put that in Messiah. And he does like <laughs> he back weaves it in a little bit, but it is like I really don't think he had the idea when he wrote okay. this book. But I might be wrong on there. I have nothing to like hold up as a uh, proof of that. That's just my personal feeling for it. But it's it's close enough too, right? Because Paul is going to say like uh, eventually in this one of like what long gone generation could look back and say like you saved us, Moadib, because that's what he feels like he's done. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no one's giving me credit. Like no respect, no respect. <laughs> um, but. This vision, it's going to be, it will be explained to us much like Terrible Purpose. We eventually found out it was the uh, subconscious or the unconscious uh, of humanity, you know, the race yeah, yeah. unconsciousness. We will eventually meet Disengage, 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 or ex right. explain what's happening here. So is Disengage separate from Terrible Purpose? Uh, cousins. 
cousins. Oh. Yeah, yeah, no, like I, I think it's uh tacked in. Like I think it is a part of that race unconscious, but it's doing a very specific thing. Like you're gonna gotcha. see like, the vision is very specific for Paul. It's gotcha, less of gotcha. like a, a global jihad kind of deal. You know what? I watched uh I watched a movie recently and realized that like our version of Danny DeVito like for terrible purpose, it sounded closer to Al Pacino. Oh yeah, in you got a specific movie? Specifically, the one with Robert De Niro. Oh God, what was the name of it? Oh God, there's a heat? great. If we're gonna heat. do Robert yeah, De Niro, it's heat. It's I love Al Pacino, Robert yeah, yeah, yeah. De Niro. I can do this all they day. Were like I sit down at a diner and I was watching that. I'm just like, this is this is a fucking terrible. Wait, right now. When did you watch Heat? Uh, just a couple days ago. Oh my God, isn't it, dude? The first day I watched that was uh, I was staying up. It was the night before Thanksgiving. It was like one in the morning. I was like, oh, I got heat. I'll watch this. I put it on. Like, Obviously, Ooh. I watched it the whole way through. <laughs> Next thing I know, it's fucking three in the morning. I'm like, God damn it, it's Thanksgiving. Like that movie was so good though. I know the diner scene alone. That, that's the thing. That one scene is just so fucking ingenious, and it's so well written and so well acted. You know, Mike, the one thing, you got to be willing to walk away. That's what, <laughs> that's what Paul's doing right now. Paul's not willing to walk away. He's not. Hey, actually, that's just a really good thing for anyone to watch. Just YouTube that one thing at the very least and get an idea of like, let's get into Paul's head for a second here. Then watch the rest of the movie. Then watch it's the rest so, of the movie. So good. Like, really? I've wanted to knock over an armored car for my entire <laughs> life because of that movie. <laughs> All right, moving on. Dude, dude. Right, but, but yeah, I don't want to So. Cheney, she's going to bring us back to the conversation because uh, Paul got lost in a vision. We got lost in El Pacino. She's like, I got you guys. And she's like, you can't use the Melange ultimatum anymore. Doesn't work. It worked mm-hmm. at the end of Dune. It doesn't work in Doom Messiah. Why do you think that is, Mike? Why can't we use the ultimatum on them anymore? I mean, if you keep waving the same stick, eventually they're going to be like, you know what? Fuck that stick. We're going to do it anyways because you're just going to keep waving it no matter what we do. And now it's sort of like they can also pass the buck. Cheney's just like, they're just going to step aside and be like, it's the emperor killing all of you. Yeah. We would love to give you spice. It's the emperor killing all of you. Mm-hmm. And the difference now is that the emperor holds the spice planet. Right. Shaddam never did. Even if he fucked with spice, he could probably blame the Baron or, you know, like right. whoever was in charge. He always had a fall man. Exactly. Yeah. He had someone else to blame. He's one he degree that's away. A, that's one of the weaknesses of having the, uh, the Imperial throne on Arrakis. Yeah, I would say like any guerrilla warfare, you turn your enemy's strength into their weakness. Mm-hmm. This is both Paul's strength and his weakness, much like how Sightail said, uh, what's the weakness of his palace is that he thinks it's impenetrable. Right. And like, I, that's kind of the strength, but Sightail is going to use it against him. Right. So like, right. yeah, he's got the source of power. It's also your source of weakness. This is uh, Arrakis is going to be your blind spot. That's a really good way of looking at it. Now, with this, Paul is sort of like waving them all away. He's like, look, I'm going to sign it as is. Now, this is why, Mike, I want to emphasize, like, in 10 years, what's changed? The vision. It's the only thing that's changed. He's deciding to sign this now because of this vision. Mm. This has been his catalyst. Okay. So, like, because that happened, like, yesterday, right? Or a couple days ago? It's been, like, two days since Irulan got back. Right. So, is is the uh, jihad still going on at this moment before he signs this document? No, no, no. Like I said, in that, before he signs it. Because he said it ends today, so I'm just like, what moment today? Well, we haven't read the document, (laughs) but it already has happened. That's that's how it gets complicated. But uh, you're right, you're right. So, Stilgard turns to Paul, and he asks him a favor. And he asks Mm -hmm. it. From the perspective of the creature that Stilgar is. Because he says, sir, you have powers. 
you could maybe use those powers to look for Tupile. Oh, and in the audiobook, they call it a uh, Tupili. They call it Tupili in the audiobook. What, what do you think? You seem like that face seems like you're not on board. I mean, I think it's just because we've always called it Tupile. Tupile. But like, what's the etymology of? No idea. Never looked it up, Mike. That's that's some. I'm not allowed to really. Uh, that would be uh, that'd be against the game. All right. So I, I will leave that this. one for you one day. I'll look into this. Just um, how did you feel though? Just aesthetically, I felt angry. Okay, I kind of <laughs> like. I thought it sounded better, but I was like, I'm not going back. Obviously, you can't break me on Tupile. You got me with Cheney. I can make that change, but Tupili, and it does line up though with the Tupilians. Oh, I guess you're right because I didn't say Tupilians. But, like, yeah, I mean, like, you would still call them Tupilians, I think. Right, right. But I'm just saying, then yeah. it, makes, it makes it a better, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, parallel. Uh, all right, all right. But that was interesting. Any- <laughs> I think the people on there is like, we don't care what you call us as long as you don't know where we are. As long as you don't show up. <laughs> and uh, Paul is repelled by Stilgar asking this. Yeah. And it's mainly because he's like, Stilgar, it's not fucking powers. You know it's prescience. You know what I can do and how I do it. Does that mean that he's actually had to try and explain this to Stilgar before? I think, I mean, his minister of state. Yeah. His, it was his boss. He's probably tried to explain this several different times. It's just no one gets it. If anyone he was going to be as open and as plain to, I think he would have appealed to Stilgar, especially before he became like, bent the knee and bowed to Moe. Right, right, Even right. though that was so quick, certainly he wouldn't expect Corba to understand. Do you think he would have done the same with Gurney? No, I don't. I Probably not. Gurney, I mean, Gurney's, Gurney can't accept a Harkonnen. He doesn't know. He doesn't know that. Right, but I'm I mean, like, say that. we can't even make that leap. I'm not going to make the leap to, like, astral projections of, sure. like, some uh, kind of thing. Okay. Uh, I, w- I would think Ira... Aaliyah and uh, Stilgar would be his closest confidants. Right, and the right. only people he could talk to. And Jessica, maybe. Jessica and Gurney are gone, though. True. They left. Like, these are the people that stayed with sure. him. That's kind of why I chose those two there. Okay. Uh, but, no, actually, no. Jessica, you know he's not going to talk about his power with Jessica. Oh, okay. They never talked about his power, Mike. That was, <laughs> that was off limits. <laughs> now, Paul thinks uh, how hard it is to explain these limitations to anyone. And he kind of looks to Aaliyah, and Aaliyah is focused on Irulan, though. Ooh. Which triggers Paul. He's like, ah, oh, Aaliyah, you're good. You know that Irulan is going to report anything I say back. So you're going to want to get her impression. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about this later. But I love that, again, Paul's empathy kicks in. He could stop right now. He could not tell the Bene Gesserit about himself. But he says, Stilgar deserves an answer. And for that matter, so does Irulan. Right. Because Paul... He's pretty, he's really feeling for people in this chapter. He's got more empathy than I've ever seen him, like, lay out. And he decides to share this kind of, like, with uh, Stilgar and to everyone assembled, even to Korba. And he says, uh, the uninitiated try to conceive of prescience as obeying a natural law. This is good. And I love this too, where he steeples his hand at this point because he brings up the church and, or heaven in the next yeah. thing too. And I, I thought the steeple in heaven being so close to another were like well poised, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's describing this as like basically um, being able to read the future is a harmonious act of man's being. In other words, prediction is a natural consequence of the wave of the present. Mm-hmm. It wears the guise of nature you see. But such powers cannot be used as attitude that presents, uh, I'm sorry, that pre-states aims and purposes. 
Does a ship caught in a wave say where it's going? That's, I think, my favorite description yeah. thus far of like, ooh, oh, I kind of get it. And that even describes like when you're on a wave of just being caught up in it, right? Of just like, oh, and like, yeah, you just have to let it take you. You can't be like, and where's two pile? Yeah, and hope that you make it out on the other side too. Because that's kind of more the important. <laughs> that's all you should be focused on. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Uh, and I love it. That's a great little thing. He's willing to say that in front of uh, Irulan and such. And Stilgar, though, He's seeking that fault, and, you know, perhaps he asks... Like, ah, oh, but it's a wise! <laughs> right, right, but he's so sweet. He just clarifies the body. so you can't do it? And I think he's, he's yeah. he wants him to not be able to. I, God, I feel so bad for Stilgar. Yeah, that's like grasping Stilgar, too. It's like a desperate Stilgar. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when we get back from Paul, is where uh, were I to seek two-pile, or two-pilly, with prescience? Don't do it, don't do it. This might hide two pile. And then Irulan comes in. Chaos! <laughs> like, no, Irulan, that was a few episodes ago. We already did that one. Which uh, is saying it has no consistency. And he, I love Paul. He's like, yeah. I said it doesn't obey a natural order. So if he were to look, because the, the navigators are able to seek and find two pile. If Paul was to search and find it. Mm-mm. Okay. They already know where two pile they is. They have a hard... They have they, data on where it is. They are seeking the path to two pile. Okay. But yes, exactly. They know where they're going. It's not a mystery to them. Right. Because they have special information. Yeah. Right, they right, they right. get to know where everything is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that one, and they're probably even taken there by one to show them. Mm-hmm. And then they know that path from then on or something. Okay. I don't know how their uh, information sharing exactly works, but yeah, that would be my guess. Uh, but Irulan kind of comes up with this of like there are. I guess sorry. Yeah, I guess yeah. my question was: Would they be able to make the path back to Two Pile if Paul knew where Two Pile was, and it would be shielded by his own mind in a way, in his own prescience? Wait, wait. Would who be able? Would the guild and the steersmen be able to navigate to Two Pile uh-huh. if Paul knew where it was as well? Oh, would Paul obscure? Like it? I'm just playing by prescience rules. I'm not quite sure exactly what the limits are of that. Right, right. Uh, I mean. Honestly, you kind of know as much as I do at this point where all we get for like as far as you're wondering if like the press, if one would obscure the other. I'm wondering if like if Paul knew where Tupile was, Tupile is now just an abandoned place. Because like no one's going to be able to like really get to it in a way. Paul doesn't have the guild to take him there. Yeah. The guild can't go there because it's like shielded by Paul. Oh, okay. Hold up. Stop right there. That's what what I wanted to close in on. Okay. You're imagining that if Paul knew where it was, it would shield it from the navigator. Yeah, that's sort of my question. It only shields them in their present. But Paul, he tells us he can see where a navigator has gone. Okay. They leave like little eddies and currents, but it wouldn't. So, like, I think the matter would be like if Paul was on two pile. Gotcha. Maybe okay. maybe that would, like... But uh, so I guess by that very uh, thing you said, we know that Paul could absolutely discover where Tupile is. No, no, he can't. He tells us that... Uh, so when you go into the prescience, you have to... Uh, you don't have a self. You have no sense of I. You've retracted from that in your... Like, the ego is lost. And that's why you can't direct the prescience to go anywhere. Oh. You have to go with it. And so he tells Stilgar, um, let me actually see if I have it right in here. Oh, sorry. I, I didn't actually pull it right out. Uh, but he tells Stilgar that if I were to look for Tupile, uh, that would ultimately hide it from me. 
because it would be obscured by the lines of like prescience with the navigators and such. Okay. So it's like him actively asking for it could fuck it up. Okay. You aren't able to drive those kind of thoughts there. Right, right, right. So he sort of left, uh, and it's sort of like, so, so almost the best thing he can do is just not let the guild have this signature. Cause like the, that's the best way he can sort of like mess around with them without fucking things up too much. Oh yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah. wait, I mean, him not saying it really doesn't do anything, but yeah, just to fuck with the guilt yeah. for sure. It's like, it's funny how like two pile doesn't actually matter. Right. It only matters to Stilgar. I wonder why. Well, he's worried that they would hide an army or something. Oh, okay. He's like, you give them it. Uh, it's like, you know, they're going to go, you give a moose a muffin, Mike, they're going to come back yeah. for more. Like I say nothing. He wants full power. And I mean, it's a very Fremen pragmatic position. Yeah. And Paul's just not willing to kind of fill him in on this sort of thing. Now, uh, Irulan keeps pressing and she's like, uh, there are limits to what you can see or do with your powers. And I love, I'm like, thank God fucking Aaliyah's here. Before <laughs> Paul can say anything, she comes in, dear Irulan, prescience has no limits. Not consistent. Consistency isn't a necessary aspect of the universe. But, 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 but he said, how can my brother give you explicit oh, no. information about the limits of something which has no limits? I'm like, oh, the boundaries escape the intellect, which is like, you dumb dumb. <laughs> Get her. Get God, her. Don't you even prescient, Irulan? <laughs> Fucking lovely. <laughs> even though I'm in a Irulan's corner for this it's one. No wonder the Irulan hates her. It's yeah. like, I, oh my. She you know, like, but in her mind, she's just like, I fucking hate you. I love Aaliyah's playing defense for Paul. Yeah. Paul's being too empathetic. Aaliyah's like, yo, this is proprietary Atreides <laughs> information. No one needs to know this besides you. And me, like, we don't even, this we don't tell, just affect you, Paul. I think like, we don't tell mom this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and uh, it's like, she comes in and she misleads <laughs> Irulan. It's one of those, don't tell mom. Moments. Yeah, really? It's two kids hiding this from their parents, Mike. Uh, and, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, and I'm just so glad she jumped in. Paul is too trusting, maybe even distracted is the better word for it. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not making... Very uh, precise decisions, like defensive decisions. But Paul thought it's funny, though, because uh, he thinks about how Aaliyah has shaken Irulan's worldview, which is dependent upon precise limits. And she's just told her that limits are not a natural function of the universe. And they're not necessary. I'm just like, you've shaken the bedrock foundation that everything is built on for her. And just been like, hey, the universe is crazy. We leave that. We just let uh, Irulan stew. And Paul looks over to Korba. Korba, though, do you remember how he is? Uh, no. He is in, like, just basically uh, Zen mode. He's just listening with, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. listening with his with the soul is how Paul phrases oh, it's it. It's like, oh, God, Korba. And, yeah, and that causes, like, God damn it. How is the Kizara going to twist my words? What I've just told, I've only told this for the sake of Stilgar because I goddamn love Stilgar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Irulan's going to twist this to the Bene Gesserit. You're going to twist this to the faithful. Like, what's that I really accomplish here? Yeah, kind of. You know what? And it's that similar um, bit when he didn't, uh, when the Sadokar were taken down inside the Siege mm-hmm. and he didn't even draw his knife. And they're going to like, God, they're just going to say, I killed him with my bare hands yeah. now. Like, I can't escape this. He still can't, Mike. It's still growing around him. Now, Stilgar is going to close the matter in a way only Stilgar can, where he's just like, it will be signed then. 
<laughs> Boom. Issue done. Dang. And I love that. I love Stilgar. He's a down-to-business kind of man. Well, yeah, we get... So we get Irulan's foundation is on precise limits. Stilgar's universe is anchored with peace, justice, and sound coinage. God, I wish that Stilgar was the emperor. Do you? I think so. I don't think you do. No? I, don't, I don't think he has enough humanity to be the emperor. You don't think so? No. Stilgar is like... Okay, the point of Stilgar is Arrakis, right? He is the perfect thing for that. Um, you know, maybe the uh, one of the things I've actually just heard recently was um, somebody, it was on um, another podcaster talking about this book called Tribe by Sebastian Younger. And it just goes into like uh, people and how we all congregate, right? And why we go into these tribes and these organizations. And one of the things he touched on was the how humanity deals with sociopaths. Oh, and he, they recognize, and I guess this is derived from the book that in certain situations, in smaller communities of people, you need a sociopath at time to make decisions that the rest of the group isn't capable of making in really harsh circumstances where they wouldn't have this empathy, get in the way to make a hard, you know, like a black and white decision for survival of a tribe. Do you think that that's Stilgar in this case? He's I think personification of that Stilgar aspect. was the perfect naive to lead to Bar. Stilgar mm. was never the perfect Fremen to lead the all Fremen or the universe for that matter. Right, right, right. Yeah, okay. I, I think he had a role, and that's why he's so bad in this role. Yeah, no, you won or me over. why he, he's breaking so much. You know, mm. you're like, we're not using his tool for its right purpose. Right. We're now using a hammer as a wrench. Doesn't work. Um, so Stilgar likes something that is visible and real. Now Paul does say like a uh, signature and a contract, which is the specific thing Stilgar told us in Dune. He is not a fan of, right. I don't need your contracts like you city folk. <laughs> but now he's like, I need this contract signed. Oh, I'm going to need this contract uh, ASAP. Uh, I got to file it post haste. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, he's a goddamn nerd. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, <laughs> no, that's not where you're going. <laughs> no. Yeah, but no, he, he's broken. He's not the uh, what we saw. He's now like a, a bureaucrat. It's it's you've, you know we've domesticated Stilgar. It's not right. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Maybe. Thank you. Now, <clears throat> one folder down. Don't worry, Stilgar's got another. Boom, folder out on the table. Maybe you're right. Maybe he is a little bit nervous. <laughs> I don't know where this filing cabinet is. I have uh, three other folders, and he's gonna pull out this chapter, Mike. Sector Ixian, Field Commander's Report. Ooh. Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. So the Ixian Confederacy has offered submission, but it wants to negotiate the tax. Ixian Confederacy. Yeah. So that's what Ooh. they're doing. And you know what that means? It's that other planet they conquered, Richie's. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So I love Paul's line here, though. So they want to negotiate the tax. And he just says, they want to put a legal limit on my imperial will? <laughs> Who will govern me? The Landsrad, Chome. It's like, oh, damn. Yeah, Uh-oh. you've subjugated both of them pretty thoroughly. Uh, and He removed the folder. <laughs> oh, no, he removed from the folder. No. From the folder. So at the mention of Chome, Stilgar pulls out a memo, and it's on Instroy paper, which has to be very um, uh, Mission Impossible, right? Yeah. I assume this kill destroys itself, but maybe it wasn't supposed to be gotten to them or something. Nonetheless, the message is from a, uh, it's a, it's an agent they have in uh, Tome's minority caucus. The throne must be stopped in its attempt at a power monopoly. 
We must tell the truth about the Atreides, how he maneuvers behind the triple sham of Landsrad, legislation, and religious sanction, and bureaucratic efficiency. All right, so they're coming in. Chome's pretty wise to what's going on, right? Yeah. I'm like, this is all just bullshit. Chome is just a, um, I feel like they're just illuminating the problem. Okay. Paul is doing the exact same thing Shaddam did, but even at a faster rate. He's consolidating all the power, all the control of the universe. Now, Shaddam was just working out that coinage, right? Mm -hmm. And there was a military threat building against him. There's no military threat against Paul. Right. No one is even... Like, basically, Leto hadn't ma matched the Sadokar. Paul has exceeded the Sadokar. Yeah, no, leagues ahead of everybody here. Uh, and I think they are just worried that they're looking down, basically, at a tyrant. Like, mm -hmm. they are all going to be subjugated by the Emperor, which right. was their greatest fear under Shaddam the right, whole right, time. Right. Now that's why we, we have the lens right. That's kind of why we backed this guy. <laughs> and now it's all Paul's message to the Moadib. Who yeah. is, you know, who is wait, the... To the message? To, wait, to the Moadib? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, to the lens right. Thank you. Thank you. To the moon, Mike. To the moon. <laughs> yeah. Paul's crazy. But he was saying, like, who we're, who is the rules, right? And it's, it's you guys. Now, they will have to concede to the deal. This is just the beginning of the end of the jihad. That's the point. So, by having Paul realizing, like, I'm going to have to let this one group form their own unit of government. Mm -hmm. This is the first time something the the first time the Imperium Paul's Imperium has sort of like splintered a little. Is bit. well, they're conceding something. Yeah. They've they've never been even like hit a speed bump. They've never been slowed down. It's kind of wild in what like. 30,000 years? 20,000 no, 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 years? No, 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 We're only counting 12 years. We're talking Paul's oh, Imperium. Okay, gotcha. Like, Paul steamrolling everybody. The Jihad, in general, going from planet to planet. They've conquered everyone. No, I was talking about yeah. the Imperium as a whole with the Emperor, because Emperor doesn't really, like, uh, like uh, give things back to Lonsrad in a way, right? They do. There's they always do. There is always a give and take. Okay. I... I, I want to just emphasize the difference in scale with Paul. Okay. It's like... All I'm talking about, it's uh, the only fair comparison or the only fair parallel is Jean Butler. She's the only one who's had a jihad on equal right. level as him. And she, I mean. But it was only really in her name. She wasn't the one that well, sort of no, like. The, the difference is she died. Yeah. Yeah. Once she passed, it changed. While she was alive, she held control over it. True. Because she was stopping them from doing terrible And do you acts. think in a way that's why Paul has done what he's done? Knowing that like, at least I have some semblance of control over this. He, keep he, he, uh, I would say it would have been worse if he died, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. He definitely has done something to mitigate some so part of it. So at least we can root for Paul in the first book. It's like, you did a good job surviving. Good on you, Paul. <laughs> only from Still could have let Gurney fight that kid. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> but only from the stance of like, but we also, we don't know what it could have been. <laughs> could have been all rainbows over there, Mike. You'll never, never know. Oh, man. Uh, but just that, so the jihad conquered everyone. No, everyone's bent the knee. This is the first person that's going to look back at the jihad and say, we will bend the knee if. Oh. And Paul is at a point where he can't make them back down from that if. He has to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. That's never happened. And that's why they're all kind of stopping at this moment. There's a little silence at the table. And they just realize that the jihad is faltering. It's all over. Everything stops today. Paul's just like, yes. Like the jihad? No. Yeah. No. Paul goes, it's too late. Like, 
It's too late. I guess it's already happened. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's too late personally for him because of the vision. The vision ties into this. And, um, he, uh, first off, like it basically, Paul says it's come too late for me. It's not going to make any difference in his life anymore. It is good for the empire. I'll give you that. Like Paul is happy for people. But it's not going to change not his life. to save me. He's already seen the end of the episode. <laughs> That's Paul's, like, trick, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 he yeah. saw the end of Dune. He's already seen the end Did of his life. Did you ever watch uh, NCIS? No, no. No, no the so, title was just too ridiculous. This weird thing that I always hated personally about it mm-hmm. is that, like, uh, at the end of every scene, it would, like, switch to grayscale and go slow motion and have this big dong kind of moment uh-huh but like i don't know if it was in the cutting or they did it on purpose that would always bleed into like the next section pre-commercial so that like every oh, every section wow, yeah. would start with like a boom of like the end of what you were about to see in yeah. grayscale and you're like how the fuck did we get here and why <laughs> is this happening now why are you showing me this why 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 it was kind of like after a while it was kind of endearing but I, when I first saw it, I was just like, what is happening? I was like, Jerry Seinfeld, what the fuck? <laughs> what is up with that? I love it. Yeah, that would be very confusing. That, After the commercial That's how break? I feel about Paul. It's just like, what? Okay, all right. Well, I know it's sort of happening, I guess. Yeah. Hey, it'll come together in the yeah. end, Mike. Uh, he now, basically, he, he does uh, kind of actually reminisce about his times with terrible purpose here, even. Of just like this coming back of like uh, all these memories of the jihad I had, uh, but now those memories are lived realities, and he's yeah. like, I've seen violence greater than I ever imagined. Really, terrible, terrible things, and that's part of where it's it's too late for Paul. Yeah. This would have been really nice if this ended before <laughs> I had been traumatized of seeing like all the darkest parts of humanity. But that ship has sailed, and here I am. I mean, I think he he must have known he wasn't going to get out of this scot-free. Never, definitely never scot-free. You know, it was a matter of, like, how much can I leave with, Mm -hmm. right? Ultimately, all he ever wanted in the beginning was his son. They took that from him. Mm -hmm. And he's never been able to replace it. And now... That was the catalyst, honestly, for all of us. It was. And it's sort of the catalyst again, because part of this vision is him seeing, like, the options of his child. Like, if I do have a child, what happens? I'm not willing to pay that price is all he's telling us. Oh, my God. Oh, let's continue. Cheney is going to chime in, because I love it when she comes in. She's like, Mm -hmm. look, why don't we give them a form of a constitution? Like, why don't we just Uh, lie? Hey, we listen to Cheney, though. When Cheney speaks, we fucking listen. And... Appropriately so, because even Irulan agrees with her and says deceit is a tool of statecraft. It's like, yeah, you bench is right, pawn. Of like, that's exactly. Like, <laughs> you can't even get her about. Jenny says that. Great idea. Irulan says it. Bad idea. Fuck you. No, but just like, I mean, all it's there. I feel like is to mimic Jessica in the first book. Yeah, because she brought that quote up. That yeah. is, I feel like it's it's very hollow in its representation. And otherwise, like, I don't think there's reason those two should agree on anything. <laughs> Probably if, if they were so petty before, but we'll let it slide. But in a way, Cheney has sort of been on that team. It's just like, you need to have an heir. She is n- within recently. Yeah. She just made that decision. Just recently. When Irulan came back and right. Irulan convinced her. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Because Irulan wants to save Paul's life. Yeah. Ah, it's all there. Now, in this next one, I think Paul just purely channels uh, Frank. Because I don't know how you could uh, separate this comment with out considering the United States in it. Uh, Paul tells him uh, there are limits to power. 
as those who put their hopes in a constitution always discover. Oh, God, yeah. Totally, right? totally. Yeah. Uh, Again, uh, listening to Wicked Games, that... that uh, yeah, the presidential podcast. one that goes yeah, yeah, in the yeah. series, right? Totally feel that. And how they'd be like, we should change this constitution. Like, like we wrote this like maybe 15 years ago. We didn't really know what we were doing. We realized it's not working. We got to change some things ASAP. I love how that's 15 years. And here we are a couple <laughs> hundred. And we're just like, yeah, la, right. la, la. So we have so many amendments. Like, maybe we should change this. Yeah, yeah. There is a huge, great push of like uh, that amendments should be a regular thing. Like, it should be a, mm-hmm. a hallmark of like a working democracy. It's- Working, being the key word. Yeah, healthy, maybe. Yeah, yeah exactly. That doesn't happen. So this comes in, and uh, actually, let me get right to it. So first, Corbra is going to chime in about how, how about a religious constitution, you know, for the faithful. Religious constitution. I'm just like, Jesus, you're a psycho. So you want a Bible, Corbra. You're a psycho, Corbra. Yeah. <laughs> Corbra, Corbra wants power. Corbra's- One empire under Moadib. Yeah. And Paul gets angry at this. And he's like, Erlon, take note. And she's like, fucking A, I hate my job. <laughs> that's apparently her job. And it's definitely she got that job because I don't think it would be her job if she hated it. If she loved the job, he wouldn't make her do the job. Right, right, right. Like, right. Erlon, there's something your Benny Jesuit mind should be it's able like, to catch you on. You like books, right? Take this down. <laughs> Not even that, but write this memo. And so Paul says, constitutions become the ultimate tyranny. Their organized power on such a scale as to be overwhelming. The Constitution is social power, mobilized, and it has no conscience. It can crush the highest and the lowest, removing all dignity and individuality. It has the unstable balance point and no limitations. I, however, have limitations. In my desire to provide an ultimate protection for my people, I forbid a Constitution. Damn. Order in the council, this date, etc., etc. Jesus, like, Paul. classic what? emperor. Erlon, <laughs> fill That's in the flex. Fill in the bullshit. <laughs> Pretty much, I guess. Yeah, I, it's all form after that. Although, point. in Erlon's defense, she probably does have an MBA. Definitely. Yeah, of course. So, like, she probably is like the right person for that job. Yeah. Uh, oh, undoubtedly. Yeah. She does a great job. Yeah. Her, like, pro, that's her, her prose is top like, notch. That's her role in council. Yes, she's the wife of the emperor. But that's but the like, point. Of, like, that's her only role in yeah, council. Yeah. Yes. But what do you think of this? I love this idea that the Constitution, it's power organized on such a scale as to be overwhelming. And then it is so removed from conscience because it's so many people making an aggregated decision that it steamrolls everything and it will just crush people mercilessly and i feel like we see that all the time when you look in deep to like the effects of any policy the people on the fringes of it are always getting the shit under the stick no matter what great good it does you can find these ones where like why did the wording have to be this or that? I mean, because at the end of the day, they're always going to be so far removed from that perspective. Yeah. Even well, Paul, who can see everything and anything, like, I don't know. It's just odd. And, you know, in a way... If I, anything, he I, should have been the one to make things right. Yeah, I, I feel like also in a way of, like, language is limiting. Uh, that's like, a really good way of putting it, actually. You know, you're, you're kind of always trying to put something that can be interpreted across all bounds. You know, like... The fact that language is subjective, we want this to be, uh, what's the opposite of, I'm sorry, I'm like reaching for it, Subject, objective. Objective. Uh, okay. You know, we want the words to not have multiple meaning, but that is how words work. I was just thinking in the terms of the Farfaluches, in terms of 
the great houses and the emperor and all yeah. the, like sort of that that feudalness of the imperium just the idea that, like he should be able to relate to even like the smallest of serfs mm-hmm. in a way because he can see and experience anything and everything at any point in time in a way no, uh i don't think he can experience like other lives you don't think so no i think it's only his view Oh, of shit, okay. right? Like, he can see his alternate history. Gotcha, gotcha. He doesn't get to just, like, dip in. Though, he does have past lives. So, I guess if... Hmm. But the Atreides were always a prominent house. That, that's the problem. Like, but, you know what? There's got they, to, they're old money. There's got, <laughs> that's like, there's got to be a so surf. There's got to be a surf in there somewhere, Mike. Never mind. Maybe that's exactly the antithesis that of might, what I was saying. That might be the problem. That is the problem. <laughs> yeah. We need more poor people in this family. Yeah. <laughs> we should have made Gurney the emperor. I mean, as you pull out his characters, Mike, I want to try to highlight, Gurney might be an okay one. He'd be a real stickler for the rules, but like, yeah, he might be an okay but, one. Like, he was put into the lowest no, of the lows. No, he can go, he can move anywhere can move in anywhere. the frat. Yeah, yeah, we knew that. Yeah, he might be, he might be a he good choice. He probably would have been the right call. Maybe. But he wouldn't have wanted to do it. Except for the mass execution of the Harkonnen family. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. I just spit everywhere. <laughs> I know, that would have been a live TV mic. That would have been like a whole thing. It would have been real fucked up. Paul, oh, I need to track down any Harkonnens for me. Uh, <laughs> we're going to do blood test. <laughs> Start with me. I got to make sure. Yeah, so it could get real weird. Now, Paul, though, within all this, he's going to turn and ask Stilgar for his idea of the tax because okay. he respects Stilgar. Mm-hmm. I think that's why he's like, what do you think we should do? Stilgar's like, full control, my lord. <laughs> like, yeah. I give nothing. And I'm like, yeah, you want to know why? One of the anchors of Stilgar's universe, sound coinage. Yeah. We do money first. <laughs> we, we're not doing taxes unlimited, motherfucker. Now, what was, the, what was the author of Wizard of Oz? Uh, Frank Brom. Yeah, that's very Frank Baum. <laughs> just like, coinage. We got to pay for this road. <laughs> so, Paul, right then there, he's like, look. All right, I can solve everything at once. I will sign the two-pile deal if, in exchange, Ix will yield on the taxes. Guild's going to go compel them. They'll all bundle together. Boom. I did everything. Right, Stilgar? <clears throat> boom, boom. Another <laughs> folder comes out. Not so fast, Damn. boss. Where is he pulling these from? I don't know. Pulls out folder three. <laughs> the Kizarat report from Seleucia Secundus. Oh. Love this one. Now, he tells him, Irulan's father and that's, again, a sign of how much he hates Irulan. He didn't say Shaddam the Fourth, the Not former the emperor. emperor. Yeah. Like, your dad. <laughs> that lady's father. Father-in-law. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would have been a good one. <laughs> he has been practicing landing maneuvers. Now, Irulan found something interesting on the palm of her left hand. Interesting. What's over here? <laughs> and a pulse throbbed at her neck. <laughs> like, Paul's just staring at her. Just, la, la, la. <laughs> Irulan, <laughs> hey, do you persist in arguing that your father's one legion is nothing more than a toy? It's like, oh, God. <laughs> Please make She's me like, look, what could he even do? And Chaney is the one who chimes in. Like, he could get himself killed. <laughs> yeah. Like, Damn. Yeah, he could. <laughs> yep. And so Paul's like, look, maybe in the next note you slip to your father. You tell him very frankly how I feel about this matter. And it's like, uh, I kind of like Irulan here. This is my big thing of like, in the face of all this, Mike, she's in the middle of the conspiracy. She's staring down the one man who might 
very well at this moment know she's part of a conspiracy yeah. and just be toying with her like a mouse, a Moadib, if you will. She lowered her gaze and she says, yes, my lord. I hope that will be the end of it. My father would make a good martyr. That's a ballsy line to throw at the emperor, Mike. Like, that that just is revolution in the air. And Paul tells her, uh, or rather, so Aaliyah is just like, uh, I know uh, several, I know some people who would be fine, like, garroting your father in the night, essentially. Like, some commanders who would just kill him in an instant if they knew of this. Listen, do we need a martyr? We can make a martyr. I can make that happen overnight. Do it today. You want to be one, too? <laughs> and uh, Paul is... I let Paul kind of come back and like, look, Aaliyah wouldn't contact one of her commanders unless I asked. And, like, I feel like that's a message both for Irulan and for Aaliyah. Yeah. I'm just like, by the well, way, also, Aaliyah... One of her commanders, she's, like, a general or an admiral within this entire... From the age of two. St. Aaliyah of the Night, age well, of two. Yeah. She, she led the fighting she brigade ca- into Bar when she got captured. That's true. Oh, my God. She was the commander of that group. Like, oh. it's, go and kill him. Go right now. <laughs> yeah. Let me widen your shoulders faster. <laughs> I can hold two knives. So good. Uh, but it's just great to consider in mind. Um, and then... Irulan approaches the line when she mentions that people look back on Shaddam with nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Again, like calling him a martyr and be like, the people want him back more than you. Because you suck. And Cheney, in a very Fremen, I will kill you voice, cautions Irulan of like, be careful. Say one more thing. Say it. Yeah. Uh, God, I really like. Cheney, first book, I had a hard time, but this book, I'm really loving Cheney. Okay. She's saying the right things at the right time. She, I feel like she is the voice of reason in all of this. Um, hmm. I don't, I don't she's know if I'm totally She's yeah, always yeah. being honest. Yeah, she never yeah. like is passive aggressive with things. She's she cutting speaks through. her mind and she speaks the right thing at the right time. I, I feel like she's just a component of Paul's personality where like each time Paul's mind gets off track, like, yeah, she is like this. If you, if you div- she's the pillar. Oh, interesting. If you divide things into like ego, super ego and id, mm-hmm. she would be the, the ego. Yeah. I mean the most base level. Right. And then the id would be the, this might be a stretch. Yeah, like if, okay. you're, if you're going to pull it. And... It's been a while since I've looked into this shit. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with ego and id and we can say Paul and Cheney hey, there. Anyone but... that's been looking into psychology recently, uh, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't you, know. Can that... you make a parallel or am I just talking shit? I might just be drunk. I'm picking up a little bit of that I've been second... having a little bit of extra of the Iraq. <laughs> not going to lie. Well, it doesn't matter, Mike, because Paul, he's going to end this line of talk. Because basically, he knows Cheney's getting real close to killing Irulan. So... <laughs> And he sensed a bit of truth sense on that nostalgia line. Enough that he's like, Irulan, you've proved your worth. And I love it. That's why he keeps her around. She lets these kind of nuggets drop where he's like, I need this information. This is good mm-hmm. to know. Like, there is a weakness within my populace that Korba is not going to be able to tell me. Stilgar is not going to be able to tell me. You can so tell me. So interesting in his own mind that, like, even Irulan, beyond her role of getting, like, her ticket or his ticket to get to the title of emperor, yes. she still has a use. Yep. Beyond historian, you still have a use. There's a reason you're at this council. I'm just not going to tell you and give you the satisfaction of knowing that. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, Which, again, is just such a dickish move. Because, like, what did she really do to you? 
Oh, what I it, mean, it wasn't her though. It, it, was, was, it was the Benny Gesserit. That's, that's the whole fucking thing. Like, it wasn't anyone did anything to this whole generation <laughs> of people. Irulan, Aaliyah, and Paul, all of them get to pass the buck to other people. But you know what? They're the one at the steering wheel right now. Yeah. So it is your responsibility. Oh, God. But Stilgar produces another folder. For sure. fuck's sake, still. <laughs> and the Bene Gesserit have sent a supplication. So they are begging. I feel like uh, Stilgar's playing Yu-Gi-Oh! And like, my trap card, my yeah, trap folder. Okay. And he flips it over. She's like, Jesus. Uh, yeah. So the Bene Gesserit, they want to preserve the bloodline, Mike. They are begging Paul mm-hmm. for this bloodline. And Cheney, she looks at the folder like it contains a, like a deadly device in it. Like this is some hunter seeker sent for her. Okay. Paul says, look, send the usual excuses. But then Cheney and Irulan both pipe up to be like, wait, wait, what, what, hold on. Maybe now's the time. And Paul, he shakes his head sharply. They couldn't know that this was part of the price he had not yet decided to pay. Oh, for his like new vision. So yeah, this is where I, this is where everything comes to a conflict. So the jihad has ended. All these things are going on. Irulan is trying to save his life. Cheney's trying to have his child or just give him a fucking heir. Paul though has seen something he can't even explain to either of them. They are all just like pass, ships passing in the night. It's like they're all on the same side. They just don't know it. God damn. This was the problem in the first book. No one talks to anyone. No, no communication with the family. No one shares their feelings. <laughs> That's Therapy, so guys. It is good for you. It is healthy. Just accept it. That's the whole point. That's our message. Yeah. Cheney, uh, she keeps talking. And she's like really going to let us see something she's been doing. She's been to the prayer wall at Siege Tabar, her birthplace. Ooh. Now, that is uh, the prayer wall. We didn't have that come up in the first book. Mm. There is a prayer wall in Jerusalem. Oh. And it's just, again, that Hebrew tie that is always present in these books. I, I always like that. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's what we're pulling from there. Uh, but she's also said, so beyond the prayers, she's gone and seen the best doctors in the Imperium. Science and superstition have all failed her, Paul thought. Do I fail her too by not telling her what bearing an heir to House Atreides will precipitate? He looked up to find an expression of pity in Aaliyah's eyes. The idea of pity from his sister repelled him. She knows. Had she too seen the terrifying future? I Oh, she totally knows. Again, She what, may not have seen the future, but What she, are her powers? That, Paul doesn't oh. know. I don't know either, but okay. Assuming she doesn't have prescience, sure, she should at least know the situation and be like, "Paul, what are you doing?" I know this I would is gotta say, be you. You know she has prescience, though. She left a message in the future. That's, oh God, you're fucking right. Because she did that stupid magic trick. Oh, Leah, I love you. <laughs> but what are your powers? <laughs> but okay, I, here's the I thing. just I, I love this whole. Genie has had access to. The most prestigious doctors in all of the universe. Yeah. Paul rules everything. Yui's, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> Yui's upon Yui's. But we don't trust Yui's, though. We know better now. But, like, the idea that she has talked to the best of the best. No one's going to be like, oh, it must be the Emperor's fault. It's just like, I don't know. I can't explain it. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, it's got to be Paul. Paul is preventing this. I think even in this, the way he words it, this is definitely his wait, doing. Wait. You know, no, you know it's Cheney's doing. Or no, I'm sorry. Uh, Excuse me? Irulan's. Irulan's told us she's providing a contraceptive. That was how she bought. Oh. That was how she bought into the conspiracy. 
Oh, shit. I did miss that. You, well, you at least forgot it. I mean, Grant, we're a few weeks in, Mike, and uh, a little bit of a rock. But uh, honestly, yeah. that's what's no, really no, no. powerful. The Irulan is doing this to Cheney. It's not Paul. They've already had a kid. You know Paul and Cheney are A-OK. But Paul must know. He doesn't know because, well, we can only rely on what Irulan said, that some truths are easier to accept, or some lies are easier to accept than a truth. These are questions oh. Paul is not willing to ask, and he's also distracted by a myriad things going on. I mean, on there is a jihad going. Exactly, which has been his focus for this whole Arakeen so, crisis and this past 12 years. So this is uh, this is Irulan's revenge. No, no, no. Again, uh, Irulan's not spiteful. She's just trying to get what she wants. Right? No, but, like, yeah, no, you're right. But, yeah. like, this is her saying, like, you're not going to have a child oh, okay, with her. Okay. You're going to have a child with me. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I totally interpret it as revenge on Cheney. You're kind of saying revenge on Paul. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm thinking it's still like, I just think she wants to force him to do what she, yeah, to get and her into the position. Yes. Yeah, no, you're totally right on there. Uh, it, But it's, it's her. She is the one pushing this. Oh. And it's another thing she has to hide. And another thing. How she, did no doctors, or how were no doctors able to like figure that out? What's she doing? That's a good question, actually. That's a great question. That's something that. Do you know what she's doing? Um, uh, no, no, I think it's, it's not answered. I think it's only described as administering a contraceptive, but it's Bene Gesserit kind of trickery. I think that's, <laughs> that's all we got to count on. And who's going to know birth better than the Bene Gesserit? She Mike? sneaks in and sneaks on a condom in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> With my subtle Bene Gesserit hand trick, <laughs> sleight of handed on Nepal every time. <laughs> Love it. I don't Love think that it. would happen, but that's hilarious to imagine. You've made her a strange magician. <laughs> The weirdest sleight of hand I've ever seen. But, you know, I get it. <laughs> now, uh, Irlan gives it all she's got. And she tries to appeal to Paul's notion for responsibility of his people. And his people's well-being in particular, yeah. right? If he leaves no heir, violence will follow. So it's this idea of like, look, you want to be father to all these people? When you pass away... They are going to tear this empire apart. Because right, there's no emperor. There's no lineage there. That means there's an empty seat. And there is someone who came on and stole the throne. So there's not even anyone with a legitimate claim. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'd be chaos. Uh, this whole thing would go up in flames. And with this, though, Paul, he gets up. And basically, they fucking... kind of wish there would be an empress. Interesting. Why? Well, why not? I mean, like it's always Fair been. Enough. It's always been emperor throughout the millennia here. It really, yeah. You, oh my god, they never. Oh, we didn't. Even, <laughs> I'm glad we didn't pull that bandit off in the first one. But yeah, <laughs> why don't we have an empress? Yeah, because we definitely have claims to who could be the empress here. Well, and with an all-time I mean, Mike, for the last like 90 years, we've had a queen of England. Like, yeah. we are very familiar with female <laughs> monarchs, even Catherine the Great. Like, yeah. there have been plenty, Cleopatra, mm -hmm. just to get like our fucking hallmarks. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I don't know why there's no empress in the list of known emperors, because it is masculine the whole <laughs> way. Yeah, Frank got a one-track mind. Mm -hmm. uh, and Willis C. McNally, for that matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to include you in this. They're probably going to pull you in on this rope. <laughs> Uh, but like, this is like set Paul off this bringing up of the air and whatnot. Be and really the confluence of like how he's trying to do the best for everybody. Mm -hmm. And he can't explain it. He's sort of at a loss, right? Like I would be frustrated too. So he gets up and he walks to the window, which is funny because he wasn't willing to go out to give that, uh, <laughs> prayer. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, he's not going on the balcony. Cause we close that. It is sealed at this point, but he's just going to the window. 
And looking out, he sees the shield wall and all of its beautiful colors. And he has a thought of just like, I wish I had like a mental shield wall. Like if there was a way I could hide from like this terrible storm that I always see. Um, a mentat firewall like we've talked about before. Yeah. We can't. He's always subjected to it, Mike. Dang. Now, I love this little bit. So Paul's standing there. The council sat silently waiting behind him, aware of how close to rage he was. Ooh. This remind you of anything? Uh, no, Ooh, no, I'm no. glad I wanted that blank expression, Mike. This makes me feel better when we get to this. Sure, because uh, it reminded me of something in particular. We knew of a certain Duke Leto. I was gonna say like Leto at the council at chapter fourteen. Very close. It was actually when we're flying back from the spice run. 13. I too, I thought it was the council. It's not the council. It's after the spice machine. The whole um, uh, the what was it? The carry all flew away. Yeah. And so he had to land and pack everybody up. He gets those extra, like, uh, Millar, was it? No, it wasn't Millar. Millar no, no, comes no. later. The uh, <laughs> Spice Captain, though, who had the yeah. blue within blue within blue yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah. He gets on, and he starts to talk to Leto while he's flying. And it's Gurney who's sort of like, don't talk to him don't while he's flying. right now. And it's not that he's while he's flying. It's that they know he's, he's angry. And so I even pulled a little hind for you. Paul glanced at Halleck. He, too, had seen the tension wrinkles at the corner of his father's jaw. One lo- one walked softly when the Duke was in a rage. Ooh. So that is a little bit of the father coming through in Paul. One walks softly when the Emperor is in a rage. Yeah. I, I just think there's a great parallel there. Just like how they all know. And they all are just like, you just let this happen. Oh. You just don't go get in his way right now because he will destroy you. Uh and then our new friends show up to check up in on Paul, right? Hey! Paul, he senses time rushing upon him. He tried to force himself into a tranquility of many balances where he might shape a new future. Disengage. We need, disengage. To, have a, we need to have a voice for this one. Disengage. Do we have a name for this? It's not terrible purpose, just disengage. It's just disengage. I mean, Mike, te- they are Pokemon. They say their name. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I think we need to have a, an, uh, another celebrity for this one. I mean, like we had a celebrity for last time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we told. Oh, it was Dr. Girlfriend from Venture Brothers. We There's thi- three no, we pack were, a day like we a Bali. No, we were thinking like Danny DeVito. No, we grew. You eventually assigned Danny yeah, DeVito yeah. to it. And then I think it's really Al Pacino, right. really at heart. What do, you, what do you want? What do you want here? I'm thinking Sylvester Stallone. Disengage. You- Disengage. Disengage. <laughs> Good. <laughs> God damn. That's going to be really annoying to listen to. I'm yeah, sorry, guys. I, well, I mean, the whole point of Rocky's been punched in the face for like an hour. Like, yeah. that's what you want to. I guess that would be a person. Disengage. Walk away. I keep getting hit in the face. Disengage. Yeah. No, no, we can't. Do, I'm not like slurring. I would rather do the Aaliyah List voice. Think about it. I will let you come back next week. You can try again. <laughs> you can keep pitching celebrities. <laughs> if anyone has a celebrity for Derek and I to mimic for disengage. I'm, I'm open to anything. Yeah, but, let uh, us know. We'll, we'll try and finagle Except it. Stallone's been shot down. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, disengage stopping by, Mike. Right, it's just cool. like, hey, how you doing? Terrible purpose sent me over. I wanted to check in on you. And Paul's thinking to himself, well, like, what would happen if he took Cheney and he just picked up and left with her? Sa- sanctuary on two piles. <laughs> Holy shit, Jessica is tearing out her hair, <laughs> throwing shit. 
And this is where I think we yeah. did touch on like hippie a little bit of both, right? Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is the perfect blend of like, what if we just ran away to two pile? Well, even yeah, even later, it's just like, what if we just went? What if we just left? At least he doesn't have a kid to leave behind. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> uh, but he says the jihad would find new and more terrible centers upon which to turn. He'd be blamed for that too. Which again, he can't escape the blame or responsibility. Even if you left, it's still your fault. Yeah. You will still be the one this is all attributed to. No matter what Korba does with it from that point on, like Paul Moadib will if be the Paul driving Moadib force. If Paul left, this wouldn't have happened. This is all they will say. Now, looking out the window, he is able to observe a band of pilgrims on the Hajj, and they're being led to his reception hall. Uh, and he has this like really sickening thought of just like, this is why he's repelled by his religion. But, like, these pilgrims have just been exploited by his imperium. They give up everything, and they are just living off of, like, renting housing and this and that. They're these homeless vagabonds, right? Mm-hmm. And they are pulling every Solari they can out of them while they go on this Hajj. And he's just sickened by the whole process. And he, this great line uh, that snide old Fremen say is that uh, they're talking about the pilgrims coming here and they're like, Moadib just wants the pilgrims for their water. Oh. I love that. I'm just like, oh my God, it's like a big honey Jesus. trap, like luring them to the planet just to take their water. Um, For Paul though, I like, of all of his understanding and manipulating of religion, he is completely unaware of the human experience of what religion actually is. Because he looks down at those pilgrims, and he's frightened. He's frightened by the fact that they, they leave here, Mike, spiritually satisfied. They get something from when they come to Arrakis, and he's looking around. You know, he sees this as like, um, it's all um, a charade. You know, it's all fake. It's all set up to look like something, but it's all hollow on the inside. Yeah, There's nothing here. Uh, you know, when he sees the temple, he just sees a rock structure that we've put up within the last 12 years that you all come and worship at. It's like, I mean, he's a shadow prophet and he doesn't want to be that shadow prophet. He doesn't. Yeah. He's so cynical of it all. Uh, and he's just like, what do they find here? Right. And I feel like, well, like that's someone who doesn't understand the prescience. Yeah. It's like divine. Someone who understands the prescience is like, no, this is dumb. I want to flip it around though. You think so? I think it's a matter of Paul not having, uh, I want to say humanity. Obviously I don't, I'm, I'm emphasizing his empathy through this whole chapter, but like, it's so weird that he's missing that such a simple kind of experience that you can have of like, you don't understand what it would be like to be awed by this. I mean, to live such a small life your whole time. I think time. you just come to the idea that, like, it's it doesn't exist. What you guys think is wrong. I think it's Maybe sort of religion like... religion is right, but, like, this is wrong. I think it ties into what you had on, like, where there's no poor person in that ancestral memory. Yeah. Like, he just can't even fathom what their life is. Yeah. And it's it's just very weird. Of like It just very stood out to even me. Even being among the Fremen, he was still a duke mm-hmm. undercover. He... He was always thinking about yeah. it, right? Like, he didn't pull that ring out uh, But he carried it with him every time. Exactly. I think he always knew it was in his pocket. He was waiting for the day. He was, in, in a way, Corp was right. Is that... Are we, are we? Did we just get to that page? Shit. I was about to say Paul was never a Fremen. <laughs> and I think I do feel that way. <laughs> I think I'm joining the conspiracy. Oh, my God. I might be Edric's friend by the end of this <gasps> book. 
Holy shit. Welcome aboard, Derek. Shiver, <sighs> <laughs> shiver. I don't, I don't want to get there. I don't want to get there. Let's continue on. Yeah. Now, every conquered world meant more pilgrims, which just means Ooh. there's sort of like he can never get out of it. The more he wins, the more he loses. Yeah. His greatest weakness is his greatest strength. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, they came out of gratitude for the peace of Moadib. Now, I do feel like there's a fear component here that Paul is missing. And <laughs> I'm just going to I'm gonna walk past this one as part of like, I don't think he really understands humanity, Mike. <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, they're not coming here to gratitude. I think they're coming here much in the same way that Jihad, after the Butlerian Jihad, they didn't build machinery. Yep. Like, Look at us, a windmill. That's our most advanced technology. <laughs> we praise the windmill don't, for all it Don't brings. destroy us. Yeah, they're coming back to be like, look how faithful we are. So many of us have come back here. Check the logs. Yeah, you don't need to check in on our planet. No way, no how. Yeah, you don't want the Jihad to come back. Um, Paul, though, he's feeling like everything is just spilling out of control right now. He was able to conquer the universe, uh, the universe of man, but he feels like some universe still eludes him. And again, Mike. I had a reminiscent, uh, reminiscent of Dune. Do you know what quote I'm about to pull out here? No. Paul wet his lips and his tongue red. Think of you the fact that a deaf person cannot hear. Then what deafness, deafness may we not all possess? What senses do we lack that we cannot see and cannot hear another world all around us? What is there around us that we cannot? And then Yui's going to cut in. Oh. Don't read that. That's my wife's passage. And he starts crying. Uh, but just the idea that there's a whole universe. He's like, I've conquered man. I've conquered everything man owns. There's something against, working against me almost actively. It's something that's all around him, but he just can't see it or sense it. He has no Dang. idea. It really oh, it always makes me appreciate Yui so much more. The Yui, time we spent with Yui, him. Yui. Just like the fact that it was Wana's passage too. Yeah. 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 It gives her, it like connects her to Moadib. No way. In such a beautiful, yeah. I love it. Um, then we, we reiterate this comparison of Paul's control over Arrakis to his control over every world, uh, which I think we brought up uh, in that one where he's in the chamber with Cheney. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just sort of like um, thinking that I try to exercise control over Justice Planet and it fights me at every turn. And like, how is the universe going to be any different? Mm-hmm. You know, in, uh, it, that's the chaos theory again of like bigger scale and smaller scale. Right. Like his control of Arrakis is the same as his control of the universe right, right. and they're direct parallels. And he is even just acutely aware of it at this point. Of like, I can't even make the rain fall where I want it. What hope do I have of leading a jihad in the right course? Right. And now, Paul, he's getting too lost in thought. I'm pulling quotes from Dune left and right. Thank God, <laughs> Cheney grabs his hand. And he looks down. He sees Cheney peering up at him, concern in her eyes. Those eyes drank him. And she whispered, please, love, do not, uh, do not battle with your rue self. An uppouring of emotion swept uh, upward from her hand, buoyed him. Love that. Because we know the Rue spirit. Yeah, yeah. let me know. Mike. What is the Rue spirit? It's like that self that exists within the Elam and the Thal. Yeah. Which and is I, more or less where Paul kind of lives most of his days. 
Yeah, I think for the in terms of like the way that we look at like yeah, the no, German mythology, we're we're pretty much comfortable saying like that is the prescience, yeah, right? Yeah, that's a good parallel, and you totally won me over. You and Laurel just destroyed me and my my glossary game, saying whoop, like, whoop. <laughs> they're like, you don't deserve it, but like, yeah, no, we, totally. did, we just polished it up, Mike. Don't worry, <laughs> that's all. I didn't know any better, but uh, yeah, and then like Paul, sort he he lives both in a spiritual sense and a physical sense mm-hmm. and no one can really understand that but except for maybe cheney in a way Ali- yeah that cheney and Ali- Aaliyah. different totally different views of the same phenomena yeah. yeah yeah i feel like Aaliyah knows it intimately on like what's going on in his head cheney understands what's happening to him yeah and i just love it she can see it in his body and just knows where he is and kind of what he's doing. And she always chimes in with just what it is. And I love the simpatico that's happening. When she's holding, there's a transfer of emotion. Yeah. Because very Taoist. It's always physical contact that brings him back. Cheney is always touching him or grabbing his hand. And it just anchors him to reality. And he knows where the present is. Yeah. Pops right back into it. You you said way back when, I think when we first started. Those always uh, make me nervous. uh, (laughs) That, uh, you know, Jessica was sort of like uh, given to the Atreides as like a concubine, like undercover. You're going to join this family. Mm. But like really, they were perfect for each other. They mm. were meant to be. I really feel that way for Cheney and Paul right now. Oh, de- even more like, so. More, more so, so than Paul. Because so like Leto and Jessica were at least like pushed together by external forces. Cheney and Paul were by accident. Yeah. Right? Or at least, like, uh, there was no intention for these two specific people to meet, whereas the Bene Gesserit very much wanted her to True. meet Leto. Although, I guess at the beginning of the book, we always knew they would. Yeah, because Paul had seen yeah. it. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. But again, it's not an ex... That was just him seeing the future. Yeah. That's still not an influence. Even just the he, possible He didn't future. go out of his way to make that yeah, a reality. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. yeah. yeah. Uh, I, but again, Frank, he loves to tell us where books are going to end. Oh, man. He's not good at keeping a secret. <laughs> He's really much like... <gasps> I got. I got to tell you about the ending now before we get into this. Uh, and Bev's like, maybe we make it a little vague. And I feel like she was his editor. <laughs> like, you know, cover this up a little. Have you heard a terrible purpose? Uh, but Cheney is next going to just ask Paul, like, look, we should go into the desert soon. And like, mm. she just puts that out there. I was like, hey, throw my comment. Don't worry about this. But are you calm? Let's go sit down now. We yeah, go. We yeah. go. Sit, we go rejoin the table. And. Paul is going to address Irulan directly while she just kind of avoids him. And he, uh, if it were not her orders for the Bene Gesserit or for personal power, he might be willing to give her a child. He's like, Irulan, if you want, if you really wanted this, like if you personally just wanted to love your child, if it was you and not your order, I might, I might be willing to, but otherwise, no. And Irulan. So again, I think she was trying to save Paul's life. Okay. What's her reaction here? She takes a deep, shaky breath. She is like shuddering. And Paul, resuming his seat, uh, thought he had never seen her under such poor control. Leaning toward her, he said, Irulan, I am truly sorry. And I think he means it. But I don't think he realized that's salt in the wound. That is like the worst thing you could have just said to her now. She lifted her chin, a look of pure fury in her eyes. I don't want your pity, she hissed. And turning to Stilgar, is there more that's urgent and dire? Which, oh, like a few things there. One, she's looking at Stilgar, who doesn't look back at her. Like, she's willing to move this right on. But 
just that kind of bit there. Like, I love that moment of Paul, like the empathy too, to be like, well, I've hurt, like that hurt her. Yeah. On a level that's like, I don't know what I did, but I feel compelled to apologize to you. Irulan. Oh my God, though. Like, but here's the thing though. She does, does she want ultimately for the Benny Jesser or for herself? She wants power. Yeah. Oh no. She wants Carino. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's something where she doesn't want to love that child. She wants that child as a product. Right. So Paul is right in this in a way, though. Every they all are though. Yeah, that's no, the problem. Right, yeah, right. yeah. So like they all mean kind of well, and Paul is sort of just truthful and like a hey, I know what it means if you if like as a child who had a parent who I know no, what this means as a parent who did a job and didn't love me is like they should have who didn't do things for me. Yeah, I'm not going to replicate that. Remember, Remember, uh, Lady Jessica said that Paul and Aaliyah were victims based off of her decisions and her choices. Yeah. He does not want that for his exactly. children. Exactly. possible. Yeah. He's he's not willing to recommit these sins. He knows what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not I mean, in a way, sort of following Jessica's advice. Like, don't do it. Don't make the mistakes I made. Yeah. Very, very good. Very good. Now you're falling back from doom. Yeah. Uh, but don't worry. Stoker's got another folder. And he does it. <laughs> yeah. Folder number five. And he also is going to ignore Irulan. And maybe just because this got real awkward real fast. <laughs> He's going to keep his eye on Paul. This is the emergency folder. Yeah. Uh, and what do we got? We have the guild uh, wants to put an embassy on Arrakis. And, and they want a formal deep space embassy. They just want access to space. Yeah, yeah, and uh, by deep space, I presume this means, like, anti-gravity equipment and, like, I don't know, spice gas everywhere. Like, it mm-hmm. seems like, I, I imagine, like, the navigators get to move outside of their tanks or something. Sure. I don't know what else that would mean, but Korba, not on board with this. And he's even telling Paul, like, hey, I'm pretty sure all the naives would be opposed to this. And uh, Paul, he gets a good uh, retort in, and then Korba really slips up. Because Corba's just like, uh, you know, they they spoil, or what does he say? They curse all the ground they walk on? Yeah, yeah. It's like, we don't want actual guildsmen here on Arrakis. And Paul's just like, well, they wouldn't actually be on the ground. They live in tanks. In they don't touch the ground. And he let his voice reveal irritation. Yeah. Just get like, Corba, I hate you. Uh, and Corba, though, is like, the Naibs might take matters into their own hands, my lord. Paul glares at him. And I love this. And now Corba just brings up all the Fremen grievances. It's not me. It's against... the Fremen. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but specifically, I think it's more, it's not you. It's the Fremen. Ah. He's highlighting, he's telling Paul, this is why I, he keeps saying we, this we, I think excludes Paul. We oh, were, because when... Paul wasn't here when this happened. Right, right, we right. were extorted we, for a we, spice. We remember, we We've experienced the Tao over and over again. Yes. We remember that it was the guild's fault sending us from place to place to place. And you know what? When we're in the Tao and we're looking at family lines, like they have ancestors that were part of this. Paul was not part of no. this. Paul was on the other side. Yeah. And uh, he goes on. He goes on. And this makes uh, Paul ask, like, have you forgotten? Or do you think I have forgotten? And this makes Corbo realize, like, how he's been speaking. And he sort of, like, wakes up a little bit. It's like, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to insinuate it all that you are not Fremen. But it's like, but you've been exactly. doing that. <laughs> I think that's what it is, is that he doesn't look at Paul as Fremen. In the way, like, I kind of don't think Paul ever was either. No. He was a duke. 
He learned desert ways, but he was never a Fremen. Exactly. He he co-opted you. He used you. Now, Irulan's going to get uh, one last scare on the way out. Because uh, we, we always got to fuck with Irulan a little bit. And Paul's going to do it even if he doesn't mean to. So Paul says, they'll send a steersman. It isn't likely a steersman would come here if he could see danger in it. Her mouth went dry with sudden fear. Irulan <laughs> said, you've seen a steersman come here? Of course I haven't seen a steersman, Paul said, mimicking her tone. Probably remembering, too, his youth of wanting to see a steersman yeah. and not being able to. But I can see where one's been and where one's going. Let them, let them send us a steersman. Perhaps I will have use for such a one. So ordered said Stilgar. Oh my God. And Irulan, hiding a smile behind her hand, thought, it's true then. Our emperor cannot see a steersman. They are mutually blind. The conspiracy is hidden. And that sort of Irulan's just like, my decision's made. Just sigh of relief. Yeah. Too. I'm too. just like, oh. From his own mouth though. Yeah. No paranoia there. He has explicitly said that. And also, he said it out of irritation, so you know this is him being candid about it. You could hope, yeah, yeah, yeah more so than because any- we always know that, like, he says what he like means to, like, um, immediately, sort of just out of irritation, and then always goes empathy afterwards, like, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but like, you always know the first thing he says is the truth. I will say, uh, my one point there, mostly empathy. He doesn't actually admit that ever. That no. is totally internal. That, that is he's, internal. He's laid out through and through, and then Jessica <laughs> inside. But yeah, uh, love that little bit. And like, I think, I think she too would know that she could count on it. Uh, and we don't need to infer like side tale of whether or not there's like, is someone lying to you or not? Like, I think it's in there. That's good. Oh, what a great chapter, though. That was really good. You're right. Very reminiscent of the interesting. There's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of personalities, a lot of uh, political. I think it's just way better done than the previous one. Yeah. Everything is. I mean, also, we follow. I assume we're going to follow up on some of these storylines. That's why it's better done. (laughs) Everything has more meaning and more purpose to it. Like, all these people are actually part of the story. It's not Lingar Butte. And, like, the fuck you going to do later? Yeah. Don't care. Uh, unnamed daughter of a guild banker. Like, yeah, all that weird stuff, all gone, all at the window. I loved it. Everyone's got different motivations. They're all not on the same page. They all have different desires. It's just so great. And the whole time, Paul won't tell you what he knows. Yeah. And that is the linchpin to this entire book. Ah. <sighs> So good. Do you have any other questions on that chapter, Mike? Anything else you want to throw in? No, honestly, I think that was a lot. I think that ate up a lot of our time today. So we're gonna have to zip disengage, the rest of this. <laughs> disengage, disengage. Let's get back to our Chim Overlords and follow through with the rest of this episode. Let's do it. You're right. That was a really fucking good chapter. Yeah. I enjoyed that thoroughly. I'm glad you did. We, got, we for, also we're start. We see uh, Corba, the keys are hot. Yeah, we're getting all the partners in crime here. So we're seeing like their different aspects. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, I love to change the voice of reason, but 
I got I got another partner we gotta talk about, Derek. Oh, is another one to bring into the loop? Yeah, no, you, someone you gotta, else at the table that we didn't notice. You got, you got, you got one more folder? <laughs> one more. The fact that we partnered with Audible. Ooh. And right now they're offering our listeners a free 30-day trial when they visit audibletrial.com slash spicerlpod. That is fantastic. It's pretty great. And when they sign up, they get a credit they can use to pick one of thousands of titles like Dune. Of course. My first, first audiobook. Uh-huh. I love it. And two credits if they sign up with their Amazon Prime account. So they can always get that Doom inside and read oh along God. with us. They're going to be screwed when we get the children. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be tricky. I'm going to need to call up Bob and see what we can do. See if we can, we can pull some strings. <laughs> but from then on, they'll receive an additional credit every month that can help to build an amazing audiobook library. So there they do. Yeah. There, oh, that's okay. how you get your that's children what you do. Doing. Oh, I knew there was something in there. <laughs> but Derek. Yeah. You and I are both Audible fans. Huge. What are you listening to right now? Well, the same thing I got you to listen to this week too, Mike. Oh, so, so good. Yeah. I mean, and you actually brought up this episode. We have just listened to The Wizard of Oz by Frank Baum. It's free on Audible. Specifically an adaptation. It is, yeah, an adaptation. I would also encourage you, so this thing is past copyright. There are several podcasts about it too. If you guys just want to look for it up, mm-hmm. you can find a couple of them. Uh, I found yeah, it's several by people now. reading. Yeah, so anyone can put it out there. But The Wizard of Oz by Frank Baum, it was so wonderful. It's so different than the movie, which I didn't expect. Like, they have backstories for each of the characters. Mm-hmm. And pretty much every time Dorothy encounters someone, she just says, tell me your tale. And then they walk down the yellow brick road and they tell you their <laughs> awesome backstory. I will yeah. say that from my perspective, because uh, I'm a big fan of the movie, my sister and I grew up on that. Like we, that was our big thing growing up together. Oh, okay. Um, so it has a special place in our heart. But I mean, it is very different from the book mm-hmm. and the adaptation. We listen to an audible. Yeah, it's a very good job of telling like the tale of the book with a little bit of like improv and comedy thrown into it as well. It's just, yeah, like, some yeah. Good yeah. Motifs. There are a few it, jokes like shoehorned in that just reference the yeah, movie and stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I loved it. It was so cool. Uh, that's actually got me. I so that one was free. I actually spent my credit, Mike. I'm gonna make this a double whammy of like Ooh. I picked up Wicked. Yeah. yeah. Oh come on. It's like yes. that's a great one. So that's the backstory. It's the life and time of the Wicked Witch of the West. Mm-hmm. Like I was like I just need a little bit more. I really want to dive in more of the Wizard of Oz by Frank Braun too because he wrote several books. There's like 20 books in the whole series. Uh, granted, another author like finishes it off after Frank Braun died, but guys. Go if you just want fantastic. You want to spend four hours, you know, whole afternoon. The Wizard of Oz by Frank Braun on Audible. Ooh. Fantastic. Can't recommend it enough. And uh, if you don't know, they also have a musical for Wicked. Yeah, which, I do. Yeah, I've never watched that yet. That's on my. It's on my list. I think uh, if you look at a lot of the songs for it, I think Adina Menzel does a lot of them. Oh, sure. If you're a fan of hers. Like, oh. Mike, I mean, I already told you it's going to be a musical weekend for me. So yeah. I guess this is what I it's turning into. I your way. I'm all yeah. about the theater. I love it. It's going to be shit. a weird weekend. <laughs> uh, you know what? That actually gives me an idea. Maybe we should do our own theater productions. Ooh. Oh. Look into that. Put, a, right. put well, a pin in that one. I'll put a pin in that one. But you know what? 30 days are up there. What if you don't like Audible? What if it's not for you? Oh, uh, that happens pretty often, Mike. Okay. And what I would recommend is I would get everyone together. You know, I would even invite them over. And then I'd have my sister come in. Because, like, I'm always, I'm too much of a giver. You know, I'll yeah, do whatever yeah. Audible tells me. I'm just like, all right, all right. She'll cut in, though, and be like, give them fucking 30 days for it. And sh- she'll get a warning for you. And they will let you know before they're going to charge you. You got If you cancel now, 30 days, we're good to go. Exactly. So they might even send an email. If you now, want. look, that's dependent on having a sister. I know. That's difficult. They'll send you a courtesy email, let you know if you want to continue when it's close to your 30 days. A lot of companies don't do that, so it's nice to know that Audible is willing to send that little extra little bit to you. Fantastic. But uh, hey, I'm going to tell you right now, why would you? Like, it's I haven't amazing. Yet. 
Yeah. And if you do, still get to keep your library. Everything you've added to your library, the free ones, the two credits you got, that's all yours. You get to keep them forever. It's true. I have so many I've added in there, Mike. I, I wait month to month for my new credit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like crack. It really is. I can't quit it. We know you understand the value of a good book. You read Dune. We're going to help you get a free audiobook when you visit audibletrial.com slash spiceworldpod. Oh, so guys, head out there. And when you do pick up that free trial, let us know what book you got. Yeah, Send please. us a recommendation. Because I'm so curious what you've done. And you've gone to audibletrial.com slash spiceworldpod. <laughs> there you go. Derek, I got to know what our deep dive is. Let's get into it. Let's go. Oh. Mike, I got a deep dive. I'm going to even just call this one a dive, I think. I don't know oh, if it's not that deep. deep. Shallow dive. It might be a shallow, shallow dive. <laughs> we're, we're sort of like, uh, we're at that point where some topics we've touched on a number of times, but I got to go into two pile or tupoli. Now, oh, let's go two pile. Yeah, yeah we're so definitely long. going two pile. It's, it's just so for, the, for the people that do call it tupoli. Uh, but for you and I, this is almost going to be a little bit of a refresher of a certain B2D that we've done of Aurelius Venport and Norma Senva. Okay. Certainly, I'm going to skip the highlights of that episode. You guys go check that out if you can. True. But I will at least tell you like a little bit about two pile, why it's out there. And ultimately, for me, why this connects the Ixian Constitution with the Guild Embassy. And why those decisions were done uh, in tandem. Okay, okay. Like, why would the guild be able to force X to bend to the taxes? Okay. Because they're all tied together, man. Tell me. They're all one thing. (laughs) Oh, oh, man. The name traditionally used for what uh, may be one or more planets or star systems, the sanctuary planet for defeated houses major and minor under the terms of the Great Convention, also the secret support base of the Spacing Guild. Two pile. What? Come on now. Yeah. Secret support base? That's where it all started. The Society of Secret Man- of, uh, Ma- Mystic, uh, Mystic Mariners. Mariners. Oh, Yeah. That's where they were born. Like, Tupile is the construction ground for oh, the first that's right. Highliners. That's right, because right. they were the exiled Ixians. That, oh, uh, my. Don't take my thunder, Mike. Because oh, oh, oh. around 100 before <laughs> Gil, three ships of refugee Ixian scientists. That's <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Continue. Stealing my thunder. But yeah, so these uh, refugee Ixian scientists and about 100 before Guild, they're led by Aurelius Venport and his wife, Norma Senva. They touch down on this planet, this planet of Tupile, whose location and name are still unknown. Now, a strong case can be made that the sanctuary planet established by the Great Convention was or was near the world the Ixians found. And this is what you went in with right? Dan yeah, yeah. right? Of how small the universe really is. Because mm-hmm. they would have had less than light-folding ships. Like, it would have been normal travel in space. Right. How far could you have really gotten? Um, and although without more evidence, the question does remain open. Tupile, though, apparently had enjoyed an advanced technological base before it was visited by the Butlerian fanatics in the later stages of the Jihad. So they had factories and Uh infrastructure everywhere. And by that time, because, you know, when we mean later stage, we mean Jean Butler is past. Right, right, right. We mean... We're just using her name. 
No, well, yeah, yeah, we are. But I was saying the one who is holding the reins and kind of keeping them back is gone. Yeah, they are running ape shit across the universe at this point. It's, it's interesting the parallel between her and Paul in a way. Yeah. In well, in what way? Because like we haven't removed Paul from it, or is Paul's like um, disassociation with it? Well, I, maybe it's disassociation with it. The fact that like it could be worse without Paul there helming it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the point I'm trying to make. Okay, yeah, yeah. If that Paul definitely... was dead, things would be so much worse. Yeah, so like Paul is saving yeah, us from yeah, that yeah, yeah. Uh, possibility. And but who in the future could look back and thank Paul for all he's done? Oh, well, maybe someone, God Emperor, maybe. Uh, or ma- or yeah. is Paul the God Emperor? Definitely. definitely. Uh, maybe? Uh, oh, huh? maybe. Oh, yeah. you're trying to? Huh? Could, could try, Mike. Could try. <laughs> yeah, uh, now. <laughs> Tupile apparently had to enjoy this advanced technological base, but by the time uh, the original goals of the Jihad, the destruction of machine technology operating at the expense of human values, had been replaced by indiscriminate slaughter. So oh. again, like, yeah, we're not focused on anything. We just want to... Like, we're just killing shit. Kill, 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 kill. God. So when that happened, though, that meant that, like, you had the technology in Tupile. It was pretty benign. Its government and economy were stable, and its people were prosperous and unaggressive. And the same could be said for many planets um, and systems that like uh, dealt with the jihad. But unfortunately for the Tupilians, the populace suffered far more from the jihad than did the industrial base. Mm. So they get here. This isn't really different from any other world, but for some reason... The jihad really focuses on yeah. this population, but they leave all the factories. They blame the people for having the machinery, not the things that make the machinery. Yeah, okay, yeah. Crushing. Humans were punished for possessing any technology at all. The immediate consequence of this anomaly was the survival of Tupile's hardware, relatively intact, but a paralysis of industrial activity until the arrival of Aurelius Venport and the Ixians. Oh. So it's all left, like, perfect in state. Like, no one's going to touch it, because, again, we're only looking at the windmill, Like, Yeah. That's all we got. <laughs> Look at that. Hey. Venport gets there, and he sizes up the situation. Like, he pretty much evaluates this in a very Bene Gesserit way of, like, ooh, I want that. You're all scared shitless of this. So I'm just going to dress up my Ixians in basically, like, a religious uh, drab and be like, oh, we are the Society of Mystic Mariners. We have this great kind of religion to show you. And that's what he brought it for. And it's like a priesthood dedicated to this divinely appointed task of faster than light travel. Because that was all Venport was focused on. Mm-hmm. That's all he really cared about. And he was going to use these people, much in a way that Paul did the others, to get there, right? Ooh, You're yeah, a stepping yeah. stone. Uh, so the Society of Mystic Mariners is set up. And they're just engineers. They're just scientists. But they're established as a priesthood. And, like, it's an uh, an illusion you're casting over these yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Now, through these stratagems, he enlisted the eager support of the Tupilians. Personally magnetic, Venport interpreted recent history to the Tupilians in terms of black and white. So he's, like, rewriting the history to justify what they're about to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and Venport, uh, sorry, terms that they were too ready to believe. They needed little convincing that the Balerians were evil incarnate, against which the Society of Mystic Mariners, personifying human progress, moved toward a God-directed resurgence. Oh, That's some good spin. Yeah. Venport's got a little PR in him. And uh, his real purpose, though, was finding a substitute for computerized navigation of hyperspace ships. 
Okay. And he, okay. He withheld this from the Tupilians at the beginning. And uh, ultimately, this is going to lead, uh, do you remember our boy? Our boy? Rasta. Oh, Rasta Mason. Rasta Mason, man. He's going to come out of this. And... <laughs> oh, I didn't think we'd ever hear from Rasta again. Oh, it's, come on. Come on now. <laughs> All right. That's going to be the Tupilians that end up buying into this whole thing and really running. And right. they are the guild as we know it now. Sure. In the yeah, present. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all Tupilian. They're all Tupilian. So I guess it makes sense that it is like the guild home base in a way. Yeah. The secret home base. The Ixian refugees created Tupile. Mm. Ix, Tupile, the guild. It's all the same fucking thing. That's so cool. Yeah, and the steersman would have the ability to see that. Oh, God, that's a good point. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know, get on my level, Mike. (laughs) Now, in the years that followed, the minor damage to the planet's industrial complex was repaired, and the brightest of the natives began to study at the Society's Academy, founded to build a local intelligentsia capable of continuing the program after the Ixians were gone. Because again, I mean, we only moved one generation of Ixians here. Once they all die, that's it. And yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. everybody is Tupilian from this point. Certainly they interbred and whatnot, but right, like, right. you're all I born mean, like on... you got one society now. Yeah, yeah, but like the domination that we're giving them is planet-based, right? Right. Ixian, Tupilian, boom, we're here. In these efforts, Venport, he succeeded in a remarkably short time. Like this is all done in his lifetime. The first spice-navigated ships, Mike, the Golden Advent and the Norma Senva were built on Tupile, and the beginning of the Spacing Guild fleet was laid down there. And, like, if you Jeez. want to know more about the adventure of the Golden Advent and the Norma Senva, check out our Between the oh. Dunes. <laughs> okay. For now, though, we got to focus on Tupile. I'm going like, where are you going with this? I know. No, I'm not <laughs> yeah, going to do I that gotcha, whole story. I, gotcha. okay. I love that story, though. Uh, and maybe at some point we'll make that available to the public. I think uh, every so often maybe we'll release one of those. Ooh, oh, I've been oh. pushing for that, Mike. You yeah, know, that's I know. my, I just, that's I my bread and butter. Spice builders, their time in the sun. Yeah, uh, yeah like, they deserve it. Yeah, yeah. Like, full, full. One every so often, we'll let them vote. We'll let them move one rotation around the sun, <laughs> and then Derek gets a freebie to give to everybody. <laughs> we get some charity. Some charity. Some charity. <laughs> <laughs> if you play the Dune board game, you'll know what that means. That's <laughs> so good. All right. Now. The tightest security, aided by two piles in location on the quote-unquote margin, <laughs> was maintained throughout the next 60 years. But agents from Tupile kept their superiors well advised of the events in the human universe. Uh, events that were rapidly moving towards the beginning of the Imperium of House Carino. Ooh. So you remember, because uh, they're going to show themselves, right? They reveal themselves to Saudia the first. Sure, sure, When sure. it first gets started, the guild's like, oh, let me uh, throw this out on the table while you guys are setting everything up. And intermediaries for the guild approach the Imperium in 12 before guild, after some initial difficulties in establishing uh, trustworthy contacts. Which, to me, that means some people died. <laughs> <laughs> This is me like really safe here. Yeah, people, no, I agree. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, the guild offered safe, reliable interstellar voyaging, and they swore an absolute abstention from politics. Okay. Now they sweeten this deal, Mike, by being like, "Hey, uh, I also had this uh, melange that gives you certain geriatric properties." I mean, like, it's crazy. I probably mean, doesn't do anything else. Yeah, though. it's probably useless. But like, hey, isn't this cool? Cool. 
Neat. Uh, and in return, they asked for a total monopoly on hyperspace <laughs> transport. Total monopoly. Yeah, right? You should never. <laughs> yeah. No matter. It's like, when someone asks for a total monopoly, they're like, okay, what no, is this really? No, when someone's willing to trade life extending for a monopoly, no. Something's worth more than the other. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, something's up here. It doesn't add up. doesn't add up. But they got it, didn't they? Uh, and But the exchange, though, is the Imperium has to forever respect the secrecy of Tupile. Ooh. And Mike, where are we in... The, what year did Paul ascend uh, to the throne? 19... Uh, what, <laughs> <laughs> no. No, it's 101.93, right? Yeah, thank you. Uh, we made it 10,193 years until somebody fucked up this deal. Wow. Because that's Paul. Paul's not willing to sign this deal. 11 this millennia. Set in stone. Oh. Yeah, so I can see why the guild would be a little bit uh, apprehensive. Like, hey, you should sign this. Little can pe- we, like, continue onward, please? <laughs> it didn't take a lot to get us this the first time. <laughs> yeah. But in his wisdom, Emperor Sadir the Great, also known as Sadir the First last time we did this. I don't okay. know why he's the great in this one. Somebody, yeah. somebody likes him. But I think the author. Uh, he saw a great advantage uh, of a relief valve for tensions boiling in the feudal system. That is having two pile available mm-hmm. to like mm-hmm. let off steam a little bit. These broken houses can just oh, go like, there. There's always an out. Exactly. Very side tail. Very Aaliyah. Oh. You don't back them into a corner. You leave them a way out, but both, yeah, 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 both of them. You leave that, that option. seems to be a motif here. Like, there's always an option. Well, again, the whole Sun Tzu's whole point was like, <laughs> if you don't give them a way out, you have no idea what they're willing to do. Yeah. If you do give them a way out, you could at least estimate. You can ballpark it. Caged animals are the most vicious. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He's yeah. like, they have nothing to lose. Yeah. You need them to have something to lose, so you can count on that. Yeah. 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 To to shape their thoughts. So. Sadir is like, all right, I, I want this. And he had already hoped for agreement from the house's major that warfare was to be strictly regulated according to the Great Convention. And you and I, we did a good deep dive of the Great Convention and yeah. kind of like what that outlines. And the purpose of that was very much for this, to shape us going forward, uh, that we can have just some form of society. Now, Sadir saw the chance to offer a tangible reward for compliance. The establishment of a haven for defeated houses. A sanctuary in which the survivors would be secure from the threat of extermination. So this is him being like, look, now we can go to war. We can do everything. Because you know, even if you lose Mike, in the same way the Baron was always going to treat nobles differently, you get out. Your entire planet might be sterilized. All your people might be killed. It's not about them. It's about you. You get yeah. to go to Tupile. Huzzah. Do they get to take their entire house major with them? Or is it just like that that main family? I I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't happen too often. But yeah, I assume like Gurney's not getting on board. Oh, I, no. I, I think we're going like the You better have blood uh, to get on board this highlighter. Like, no, not even that. They're going to leave Paul behind. Later. Well, they were, yeah. yeah. But that was one family's decision. Of uh, that was a smart move, though. Look how much trouble Paul caused. <laughs> I wouldn't want to bring him with me. Um, yeah, we get. A, I just, I love that kind of bit thrown in there. And uh, once the decision of victory or defeat was proclaimed, the signatories of the convention were bound to end hostilities, and the emperor saw in the guild a means of assuring compliance. So we're sort of like, this is gonna like just 
streamline everything. So now when battle is done, the guild is part of the party that's be like, war is over. I'm not transporting either of you. It's over. Let's just wrap yeah. this up. And they take you out and they are in a way can stop hostilities because they have a monopoly on transportation. You can't get to the planet to attack them unless the guild brings you. Ooh. So it's a, it's a great way to like keep control of everything in a little bit. So the hypothesis that this sanctuary existed in or near the Tupilian system rests on two arguments, Mike. Okay. The first notes that the guild's frequent use of misdirection as a tactic, a classic example is the guild's disclosure of Melange as a life-prolonging agent to divert attention from the Spice's navigational uses. <laughs> so, like... I don't really buy into this one because this is basically like, well, if they were like playing all their cards once, maybe that's how they always play their hand. And I'm like, that is a dangerous game to play. If every great weakness, you're like, you just put it in the face of your enemy. Yeah. I'm like, if they called your bluff once, your whole thing is over and it's all done. I guess the idea is they're looking in the long run of things. Like, we'll, we'll push this again in, like, maybe general. 300 years. And like, maybe they won't remember. Yeah, yeah. But so this is just an argument for Tupili, or Tupile, or Tupili, being uh, more no, than... No, no, we're going Tupile. I'm fucking lying in the sand. sand. More than one planet. So the second argument is strategic. Only if the guild were close, were close by, could they watch over the defeated houses, protecting them from themselves and others. So a defeated force, even if it had the transport, could not venture forth with ambitions of revenge while the guild patrolled the area. So by having it be in the Imperium, the guild doesn't have to be two places at once. Right, right, They're just here, and therefore they're always watching. Ooh. I I really like that one. Big Brother Spacing Guild. Well, no, just but that's how it's hidden. Of like they're just using their ships dually. Of like, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. move because yeah, you're in the Imperium. We'll see you as soon as you guys yeah. come out. Yeah, like how are you gonna move? We're gonna be the ones to do it. You can't do that. Well, if we're saying you're so close to the Imperium, though, you wouldn't need to fold space. That's you true. could get by with oh, a conventional small ship. Universe, I'm telling you, I know it's there. Oh. Uh, but one comment that deserves repeating is that two pile. Or the two piles, or the two pillies, if you will. You have, I, oh, you're drawing a lot of sin? I thought I, I had freedom for the plural. No. Um, have never been proven to be a singular star system. Interesting. The wealth of the guild's agents and factors suggest that they drew from many populated worlds, and many worlds suggest more than one star. So they're even saying, like, to um, completely um, fill all the jobs within the guild, we need more than one system, Mike. So you and think it's an actual, like, uh, almost like a constellation in a way? Like, mm-hmm. it's better. Let oh, me continue on. Don't you dare. By inference, then, as much as a whole sector may have been, uh, been more or less under the guild control and exploitation as it grew, keeping a region of this size secret would not be impossible, as the other realities prove. Uh, and then in parentheses, the Tlaxlu, for example. They've been able to keep them so secret. The Spacing Guild must have had wide latitude in designating this or that planet as Tupile. So yours in Constellation to be like in one area kind of deal, they can just say that's Tupile, that's Tupile, that's Tupile. Oh my in like God. the four corners of the universe. Because Mike, you can't see the map. 
I, th- I, I think of uh, British, uh, like the British Empire, in mm-hmm. terms of like British, uh, British-owned colonies, mm-hmm. and like that's Great Britain, that's Great Britain, that's Great Britain. It, but it spread throughout the globe. Exactly. Oh, and at their discretion. That's really good. And I think that, and I love how they just paint that as viable because, again, the monopoly makes it so you can't go looking for it. You can only go where I'll take you. And who would ever know? How could you figure it out? And how could you go there? Mm-hmm. And in a way, like, what's it really matter? I guess. If there are two two piles on the opposite sides of the universe, like, no one's allowed to come and go between Which them. Which two pile does Schlag come from then? Oh. <laughs> oh. You know what you've just pointed out, Mike, is what's a that? myth that maybe Schlag is not real. That we know is real because we saw a Schlag skin chair. Huh? Yeah. You don't know where that's. What is a slog though? It's don't, on two. Don't you fucking dare! What if it's people, Mike? Don't you fu- <gasps> what if? What if we're? Sk- what if it's an old duke? Nope, 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 nope. I'm <laughs> getting us out of here. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I got nothing for you. I don't know about that. The schlog. Uh, it does. Is it really? Is that a thing? What a skin I, duke? Yeah. I mean, uh, I knew a guy that made drums out of people. Who was that? Who was that? <laughs> okay. uh, no, there's no skin duke in the way. No, but yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a valid point. Though, that, that in the in the glossary they tell us of an animal on two pile. How do we know about that animal? Only the guild could provide that animal right. to us. And wouldn't that be a super exotic and like exclusive resource? And then why would they even ship it out just because of money? Exactly, they money because they already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what is up with that? Lato sits down at the table. Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> you guys talking spice plastic? <laughs> so this is secundus. Now, if anyone knew the truth of the situation, it would have been the god emperor, and uh, his knowledge of Tupile may yet come to light among the Rakus manuscripts. Meaning, Mike, it hasn't. Even oh. post god emperor, fifteen thousand years in the future, we have no idea what the Wait, fuck. Fifteen thousand. Or- yeah, we're at like fifteen hundred, or yeah, yeah, fifteen thousand. Uh, we're like three thousand or five thousand past where we are now. Okay. Wait. We go like three five in God, three thousand five hundred years in God Emperor, and okay. then we go a little bit further to get here with the Rackus Horde. How how long between Messiah and God Emperor? Uh, Children of Dune. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's my answer. Oh, oh. literally, if you between <laughs> Messiah and God ever is oh. the book Children of Dune. I just want to know if it's Paul or not. I know you do. Dude, you're going to fucking hate Children of Dune. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that right really? now. Really? Yeah. Uh, but that's the end of my deep dive mic. <laughs> God damn it. Thank you, Derek. <laughs> hey, hey, sorry. My, I know I've tortured you on two in a row oh at this part. Oh, my God. Why don't we go... It's Stilgar's syllabus game. It's working oh, out. Oh, man. It's your favorite game. No, well, are you sure? Not, really? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Edric's etymology <laughs> on automatology. Each week, I pick a name from the universe to dive into its meaning and origins. Derek, I'm going to give you the meaning of the name and see if you can it guess It takes so long, though, Edric. <laughs> <laughs> Right. You keep trying. I know it. I know it. All right. What do you What do you got for me this time, Mike? What so kind of- uh, this is a fun one. Uh, the, uh, so obviously, I'll give you the meaning of the name. And mm-hmm. you try and guess who it is. So the meaning of the name is death. R- Whoa! Ooh. Just death? Yeah, death. Okay. Anyway, okay. Ooh. Immediately, I really want to go to Corba, and like 
almost because Frank has set that up to be like he is the sort of like shadow yeah. over Moadip. He's not threatening death though. Or I guess specifically it's the death. The death. The death. Okay. I feel like I kind of know what Aaliyah, we sort of, I, I don't know if we almost looked that one up. No, we did look that name up last time. Because I thought it well, was. it was in the glossary. No, no, it I thought like, it was Ulia. It was the left hand is, of God. No, that's all Ulia. That's like A-U-L-I-A or something. That was a totally different word, which I always thought no, was, it was Ulia. it was so similar. It was, it was really close, but it was, I think, based off of it. We, well, I mean, you clearly see why I make that jump. Because yeah, she's yeah. the left hand of the fucking God Emperor right now. I mean, now. like, literally. <gasps> You know what I mean, though. <laughs> you, no, I don't. No, we've done this enough I, times. I, fe- uh, I honestly, I, I don't know. Mike, I don't know if you're fucking with me or not. Hundred percent. He is not our what quote unquote god emperor, but he is like a god emperor at this point. But he's not our guy in our book. If you are lying to me, I swear to God. I don't think I've ever lied to you. I've like misled you and I've tricked you. I've never <laughs> lied. I don't outright lie. Mike. Okay. I will avoid the truth. You're very. Cool. Call more deep right now. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. all right, but yeah. But Derek A- wouldn't lie. A U L I Y A is Aaliyah in the original Dune glossary, which is the female at the left hand of God, God's handmaiden. And like, which U- like I Ulia. totally see you Aaliyah get, you get fulfilling I, the role of yeah. yeah, yeah. She checks all those boxes, but that's not her. That's not who we mean by that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So, but yeah, so I think, and I think when we did look that up originally, I feel like we did search Aaliyah just to be like, wait, so what the fuck does this mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to pass that one off. I don't think it's that. I am kind of going with Korba. Stilgard doesn't ring right to me. Right. Uh, I'm looking forward to if you ever end up doing the Stilgar. Irulan. Now, nah, Irulan seems like iridescent uh, and why, like, librarian sure, and knowledge. Yeah. All that seems compelled to here. I, I want to lock me into Korba. Korba just like, there's Ooh. something about that word that is off putting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I even uh, you're gonna pull out some like, and it's Raban. Oh, I, I, it's it's a favorite of ours. It's the favorite of our fans. <gasps> Wait, oh, did you go El Muerte? <laughs> From Spanish Latin origin, El Muerte. <laughs> That's not even fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is his name. It's from the Duneverse, Derek. But, ah, uh, I just, I don't know how to articulate my feelings here. Like, because you're angry, you think I cheated. Well, it's not that the name means death. It's that the name no, literally, literally is death. It literally means the death, but there's a little no, bit more No, it translates it. to death, Mike. It like, translates to the death. Yeah. Yes, you're right. And I just mean, that's different. No other name translates to what it means. It means something because <laughs> of other reasons. You not, got you not, got it. Not true for all of them. What not the true fuck are you going to tell me? Like, there isn't a name here, though. You were just doing the word, well, I'm gonna, Muerte? I'm going to take a Muerte, and I'm going to bring it back to Greece for us. Okay. Okay, yeah. I don't know how you, how you can do that. Mike, it's a Latin root. How, how's that possible? Latin root? Isn't that what you just said? Yeah, Spanish Latin. Yeah. Yeah, so we know that Spanish is a Romance language, and I think about 70% of it is actually based off of Latin. Mm-hmm. It has Latin roots. And what language did the Roman Empire speak? Mm, oh, oh, man, what was it? What was it? Uh, what did the Canadians speak? <laughs> the French, <laughs> so it must have been, been the Greek. It must have been Latin. Oh, they, oh I, didn't, I didn't know if you were sending me up to get No, free. no, the yeah. Romans spoke Latin. Yes, they did. But they also took everything, like, they uh, absorbed a lot of their religion pantheon from Greece as well. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk a little bit about both of those. Okay. So first off, we're going to talk about Spanish here and modern Spanish. 
my first and only point here, I think, is called Don't Fear the Reaper. Now, El Morte, we know, means the death. No, nor do the sea, the sons of the rains. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is that like us? Yeah, right. Yeah. But like, you don't see, you don't ever see that written as El Morte, the death, in terms of like a name. In terms of death personified, it's usually as Le Morte, meaning death mm-hmm. itself, or La Parca, meaning the reaper. Okay. So when I think of death personified, I were, usually... Wait, were both those feminine? Yeah. Nice. Okay. La Morte and La Parca. And part of that is uh, Santa... Uh, Santa Morte. Oh, yes. Is the goddess of death. Yeah. And the, or the cult of the goddess of death, even. Mm-hmm. And that was a big thing. Um, but that's not what we're talking about here. There's some great art stylings oh, out there if you it, ever look it's up. It's really gorgeous, actually. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about here, Derek. We're talking yeah. about the Reaper. Hey, we're talking about whatever you want to talk yeah. about. <laughs> so basically just death incarnate, the personification of death. And I think the Grim Reaper is a good personification of death in a lot of senses. Sure. You know? He who, like, comes for the souls harvests them, takes them back to the underworld, that is death, and now you are dead. I mean, that's why he has the scythe. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I so, mean, that, again, that's also why he's called the reaper. The exactly. The scythe is the symbol of reaping, and the harvest, you take the souls back with you. Can, hold up. Small, yeah. small side story? Because this is something no one should know, but, uh, oh, no, or have a story to tell. In fourth grade. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. My teacher told us a story that him and his brother wrote in a field, playing with scythes, cutting the field. And, like, I think his brother lost a fucking finger because of it. Playing with, with scythes? scythes like, Why would you play with scythes? Can you imagine, like... Oh, I say that, but it's, like, the same as playing with a lawnmower. It's like, kids do it. You do it. Like, you're riding a lawnmower, hey, you, you play, race the hey, shit. Yeah. Fuck yeah, you play with anything. Yeah. I, I mean, you're a kid with a, a scythe. Why do you have a scythe in the, like... I mean, he had to have been, like, the 80s. Like, what the fuck <laughs> were you doing with a scythe? <laughs> he was a really young guy when I was yeah. in fourth grade. And I just always remember that. I was like... Why do I know that somebody attacks somebody with a scythe? <laughs> Did you know there's a handbook of like scythe combat? What? It's just like a. It shows pictures of people. Oh doing wait, wait. It. Is, is it like a, a? Is it a modern thing? No, no. It's an older thing. Okay. But it was more for like show and sport and just like wouldn't this be funny? It's not actually practical in any battlefield sense. It's more of a duel by scythe. Okay, it, that's totally it's fair. So weird. To just, look at. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a parody of a joke. Uh huh. It's a magazine for like mercenaries called Soldier of Fortune. And it, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's absurd. It's for people that, like, want to pretend they were in the military, but never been in the military. Okay. And, like, one of the first episodes was, like, uh, it was an article on knife fighting underwater. And, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's absurd. Unless you're in a bond, like, how many times is that going to happen? Exactly. <laughs> Why would you write this That's up? great. Scythe fighting techniques, knife fighting underwater. Step one, get some aquaflage. No yeah. Yeah. Coming. Fucking aquaflage. But, hey. We're not talking about Aquaflash here. We're talking about El Morte and the Reaper. God bless his soul. So I'm telling you that in modern Spanish, death is known as either La Muerte, being death, or La Parca, meaning the Reaper. Now we're going to go back to Roman mythology here. And the Parcaei, which is where we get La Parca from, were the three sisters of fate. Oh, oh, very cool. The Nona, uh, Decima, and Morta. Ooh. Morta. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Crazy. Whatever could be there. Exactly, it's exactly what you think. Those sisters of fate all have a job, and Morta has a specific job. Now, what's that job going to be? Now, in Roman mythology, specifically, Morta is just the goddess of death. Okay. They bring the death to people. But we're going to look at where the Romans got their pantheon from. All right. Because we know they didn't make it up. They absorbed it from other cultures. They made it their own. Uh, Mars wasn't Mars originally. We, Mars was Ares. Are we reaching back to the Oracle of Delphi? And then go back to Greece. No. 
Greece had their own triad of uh, fates. fates. Yeah. yeah, the Sisters of Fate. Remember Hercules, the animated film? Oh, yeah. A lot of that was actually based off of a lot of good mythos, though. I'm pretty sure the only reason Achilles got killed <laughs> is because, like, they left a fingerprint on their <laughs> dipping into the little liquid because they held him by yeah, his heel. exactly. Yeah. So, uh, in Greece... That was the, the fates that did that, right? Oh, actually, don't... Don't know? Eh, not important. Not relevant to this tale <laughs> Not relevant death. to this tale. But in Greece, instead of the uh, Perci, Perci, they were known as the Mori. Ooh, oh, okay. The three sisters were Clotho, Lechesis, and Atropus. Ooh, like atrophy? That's where atrophy comes from. Yeah, Atropus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was the uh, synonymous one of Morta. Mort- so Morta and Atropus were basically the same god. Yeah, sure. Atrophy, I can see the parallel. Yeah, exactly. So death and sort of like decaying and like falling apart and, you know, not being of use anymore. Ooh, I like the uh, like syntax difference between the two or like just the definition of like the difference between death and decay mm-hmm. but the purpose was the same sure sure like the end result but i feel like there's like nuance there we're like oh, I, totally. I love the greek totally. impression there yeah yeah the romans were lazy man i'm telling you they, well they jump to the it's sort of like a cause and effect mm-hmm. death is the effect the cause is decay well do you know how atropus did their job within yeah. the fates they had a pair of scissors some shears. Are they are are they weaving things all the time? Yeah. Is so you she, have one that is she the, the attitude of the you knife? You have one that spins the cloth. You have one that weaves the cloth into <gasps> the tapestry of fate. And then you have the one that snips the threads to fulfill the cloth. And the one that snips the threads, those threads are people's lives. Yeah. They choose when and how they die, snip them, and so that their souls return to the underworld. Okay. So Atropus was the cause of that. And Atropus uh, ended up becoming Morta within the Roman mythology. And so we can assume that linked within Spanish, mm-hmm. Morta being La Morte, death, Atropus was known for his scissors by which she cut the thread of human's life while her and her sisters uh, wove the threads of the tapestry of fate, thus the one who called the souls back to the underworld. So in a way you could interpret the meaning as the Grim Reaper, those who harvest the souls and bring them back. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I was really, as he said these words, I was like waiting for like, you did up Spanish word for scissors. Like, <laughs> are we getting like, how are we connecting the, what was the Greek word? Atrophus? At, yeah, Atrophus. And, atrophus. Uh, and Morat, Moratana? Morta. Morta. Oh, Morta. So like, uh, I was like, I didn't know how we got to that transition. I thought you were going to illuminate that. Sure, sure, sure. I'm just saying that like Morta is like, because it's no, Latin, no, no, but like that's a lot of the root in Spanish. But Morta was taken from the Greek mythos of the Mori and Atropus being the goddess of death, of and the, the one who snipped the right, right. But so, like, and they the whole group they kind of that word evolves into death, yeah, of the and, Mori. And the thing is, when you look at uh, with, uh Morta. Morta in a lot of languages, you've got like Morta, Mort, Morta. Like a lot of those similarly mean death or mm-hmm. like murder in a lot of different languages. Mm-hmm. Like they tend to all come from this source of yeah. Latin root. Yeah, yeah. that totally uh, that totally makes sense to me. It's I was I was thinking more of the direct lineation of why it changes to the M sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh, again, a lot of it is just it's the Romans mm-hmm. doing their own thing. Very cool. In a way, fuck them, but in a way. Everything that we have language-wise is sort of based on that in a lot of senses. At least the Romance languages, for sure. Yeah. So again, going back to Spanish, La Parca, meaning Grim Reaper in modern Spanish, refers to specifically that one sister of fate who was responsible for death. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So the parka eye were the triad, but we're really just talking about that one sister, the Grim Reaper, who took the souls, Morta. Yeah, and, and that's back. where the term Morte comes from, mm-hmm. the uh, death. And so El Morte would literally mean the death. But if we're going to look at the death, that really seems like a personification of death itself. And I think unless you think of it in terms of inevitable death, but I would also think of it in terms of the Grim Reaper coming for you. Sure. Death itself is coming. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the whole so, idea of what it's supposed to be. In like. a way, it's a possible way to say El Morte because I couldn't find anything on El Morte specifically as a name. There's an El Morto as a comic book character, but that wasn't exactly what I was looking for. No, no. And you wouldn't because like it is literally like the vocab word. If you were learning Spanish, Mike, you'd learn Morte just means dead. Exactly. That's all it's meant to be. The death, but la morte just means death. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of interesting the way you look at it. So um, that's sort of my deep dive into sort of the Grim Reaper and El Morte and where he exists and how way back when you could trace him back even to Greek mythology. I love In it. In Greek mythology, we know we just the Atreides brought, love. We brought El Morte back home to Agamemnon. Oh, and they can all sit. It's so good. <laughs> Thank you for my TED Talk on Edric's etymology on onomatology. Oh, you had me right till then. Uh, <laughs> oh! No, that was great. Uh, I'm just going to have to stop guessing characters in the chapter, I guess. You're not playing that game with me anymore. It's anyone that we have seen I in the know, book so I know, I know, Mike. We outlined the rules hey! together. <laughs> <laughs> just losing, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I love it. So, uh... I notice we've got a third chair at the table here. He's been pretty silent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, a couple times I looked at him instead of you because he's the same size as you. Shooting daggers, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Bruno. (laughs) Bruno. Things here to say. I'm going to have to start giving him the mic here. (laughs) (laughs) A little of this trans encoded microphone. What would he sound like? Ooh. I don't know. Do you want to take the ED tube oh. first here? Yeah, I got this one this week. Oh, Bruno. thank you. you I need, I need slide over off. here. Slide over here, Bruno. I feel so much more at ease. Okay, what was that? All right. Oh, yeah. I agree. All right, cool. All right, cool. So we got a couple messages here. First from Instagram, we have Octopus Dave. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't our bastard. It's a great name. Yes. That's, it's not a space name necessarily, but I want it to be. It's a and I name. love it. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's like your best bud from down the street. That's Octopus Dave. Octopus Dave. <laughs> Loves the garden. Now, <laughs> Octopus Dave has read Dune at least 10 times. He's read Messiah and Children at least two to three times. And he's even read several of the Brian Herbert books, though he didn't really care for them all that much. Okay. Um, okay. He couldn't even get through the Lynch movie because it was just too painful to watch. And honestly, hey, no, no, I'm with him. Hey, hey, whoa. For me. Oh, you're reading way no, too much in no, that expression. No, let me, that ex- you express yourself. It sir. was too much. Yeah. It was. All right. I had already gone so far in the book. I couldn't do it. It was not for me. Hey. If I had done the movie first, maybe I would have loved it, but I can't do it now. I I think you just need time. Maybe. It just takes time, Mike. Time and alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. An intoxicant (laughs) combination. No, no. I mean, obviously, I understand where people come from with the Lynch movie. Yeah. yeah. It's it's make a break. It's not perfect. That's fine. What can we say? I'm looking forward to the uh, Denny Villeneuve. Yeah. Um, Oh, we also... (laughs) It's just one bit where uh, I love this show. I listen to it where somebody's stopping. He's like, actually, it's Dennis Veyu. <laughs> really? So, no, no, but the guy just like stopped him just to be an asshole to say that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Dennis. It's not, <laughs> no, it's no, not. not at all. If you've ever heard the man speak, you're like, oh, shit, you're French as hell. Like, 
I just, I love, I can't help but think, it's Dennis. <laughs> it's Dennis. But he's, he's, no. a, he's a Denis. And you're like, yeah, that's great. I can't listen. The man sounds so condescending. <laughs> he's also played the game several times too. What is? Uh, oh, Octopus Dave. We're not talking about Denny. We're talking about Octopus Dave here. <laughs> what game? Uh, I think it's Imperium. It's the one where it's like, oh, the, the old, board game. Yeah. No, no, no. The old uh, PlayStation or a PC game. The RTS that was on the PC. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's the one he played. It's like, yeah, I even did that one. Like, he's got a good CV for Dune. Yeah. I like it. And he, I've heard that it was like phenomenal, like a good yeah. video game. It established the uh, some of the rules for the RTS genre Which is going forward. Pretty awesome, actually. It was very command and conquer. But hey, here's a gripe you might have, Derek. Ooh. For the love of him, you could not get through God Emperor. <gasps> no, I totally understand. Really? Yeah, you're, we're going to, I think you and I are going to have fun going through that one. God okay. Emperor, it's it's drier than the other books. It's way headier. Really? So like I that's why I totally like I if you want to bail once we get to God Emperor, what? That's your out. Oh god. I've, I've told you that before. Like that's we're going there, and then I'm gonna let you're you decide. Gonna, you're gonna fucking moo a deep me. You're gonna be like, hey, it's not my fault, it's Mike. He doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Oh. All of our fans are gonna be disappointed. I'm not gonna play your There's game. Nothing there. I would rather do than read heretics, but uh <laughs> Yeah, no, no, but it's like, it's such like, uh, you're running, you're running, we're in Messiah. I feel like we're going faster than we were in Dune. Children of oh, Dune, yeah. we're going to do the same thing. We're going to kind of come to a halt in God Emperor, and we just have to, like, bask in the presence of the God Emperor for a bit while he talks to us. Oh. And that's sort of how that goes. Though, again, we're like, we're going to go chapter by chapter. It's just a very different pacing it's, from what we're used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like, I don't really know. I can't put a finger on it without telling you more about it. But yeah, it's different. I get why people stop there. So it's not as big of a gripe. I really, uh, maybe he'll love it when we go through it. Well, maybe, you know Maybe what? that'll be the chance. I'll tell you right now. He is determined to get through it now. Yes. He started rereading it. He's determined to finish the entire main series. I feel like Frank does his best commentary on government in that book. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. He's super, because it's, Mike, it's all negative. It's all, <laughs> it's all government's the worst. He hates government. He hates big oh. government. Uh, and there's just a lot in there about control, power, all these different levels, and like what it means to be a person in a machine. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I, I hope, I'm I, kind of excited to get there. I'm just saying, like, well, here's the thing. You Octopus keep talking Dave, me up. Give it that second chance. <laughs> and like, if you get stuck at any point, send us an email and oh, I'll, yeah. I'll be there for you. That's true. That's a good point. I can try to help you along the way. I guess on a more uh, fun and personal note for us, mm -hmm. he loves the pod. Woo! The Gurney game. Uh, a especially, classic. Especially in the inclusion of James Gurney, because who doesn't love goddamn <laughs> Dinotopia? I heard he fucking slaps, man. <laughs> fucking slaps. And uh, he actually recommended two wines to us. Oh, what do we got? So they're both by uh, Keffy Winery in North Carolina. Okay. It's Epiphany and Negro Amaro, uh, which I guess can sometimes be translated to black and bitter. Uh, both are Greek-style wines and perfect for the Atreides. Oh, damn. North, that would not be hard for us to get a hold of, I think. Yeah, I think if we it's could right contact the winery Carolina. and just like, uh, ship them up here. I think yeah, yeah. Great. I'll look into that. Yeah, I'll put them down for you. I think uh, that'll be a fun one. Uh, so thank you, Octopus Dave. We appreciate that. Yeah, thank you very much, man. We always love hearing people's takes on their experience with Doom. Mm. Now, from the Spice World, there's some Patreon. We actually... <gasps> When we released last episode, we had a couple things about Hoggle and Hagar. Oh, that goddamn yeah. throne. Dude, birds, brids, like, <laughs> Frank just loves throwing me for a loop. Sometimes. So, what, what do we got? Uh, Laurel actually chimed in. 
uh, the Hoggle Hagar uh, throne, my favorite rendition is actually from the newer Portuguese language edition of the book. I love how it's sort of humanoid in shape and cradles Paul, emperor of the known universe, in its lap. It makes it seem very godlike itself. So if you haven't seen, I think uh, I'll go ahead and post this picture for uh, this week's episode. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it actually just shows like this massive chamber. Yeah. And has like this actual like emerald kind of like uh, statuesque kind of throne. You see Paul sort of sitting in the middle of it, but it's like this humanoid figure sort of cradling him. And my first thought was great mother. Oh. At which point Laurel immediately responded, Coo baby! Coo baby! Oh, I <laughs> love it. what we're thinking. She she's, knows. she's on the same page. She's indoctrinated. Um, yeah. And- uh, no, uh, if I could just say, so I that link that she said, I've, I've been there before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was looking specifically for Messiah art back in the day, just for our chapter headers and stuff like that mm-hmm. as we go. And I found that one. And like once I clicked that link, I was like, oh, I've been here before. <laughs> All of his art is amazing. And he does a lot of scenes in Messiah including one where uh, I'll actually open this up now, but sure. so I'm sorry. We just kind of went through. We were, thought we were talking about the same picture. There are three different pictures in the throne room. <laughs> the one at slightly a kilt uh, on a little tilt there that I totally see Kubebe with that. And then, uh, and Paul nestled in the chair. Now I want to show you the other one. There's one from like, over Paul's shoulder. You get this oh. view of him in like this golden entourage. Yeah. If we go all the way to the bottom of this page, Mike, this art by uh, Mark Simonetti, it's uh, S-I-M-O-N-E-T-T-I for anyone that wants to search this sure, out. Sure, sure. The very bottom one, I think shows us a picture from today's chapter where it is that <gasps> same golden figure on a balcony with his arms outstretched before this crowd of horrible? supplicants. I think it has to be in Paul's <laughs> turban. Oh my god. So good. Like this guy did so much to Messiah art. It's so beautiful. I love that throne room. And uh clearly that's Edric in there too. So that's a scene that is yet to come, Mike. That's pretty Wait, Corba? No, we did see that, didn't we? No, no. Uh the scene with Edric is in the throne. Each of the thrones you see that golden square. Oh yeah. yeah. Is the, that is a guild. Edric's gonna pay a visit. That's a all I know. Like, well, we know we, a steersman's gonna come. Hey. Maybe maybe it'll be someone else. Maybe they'll send another one. Uh, no, they're yeah, gonna, no, it's going to be Edric. <laughs> <laughs> we met him. He's going to be in there. But also, Joe on our Patreon also chimed in Ooh. with their absolutely Team Huggall. And immediately, Laurel's like, yeah, Team Huggall all the way. Yeah. So Team Huggall says uh, that they saw a Twitter thread where someone pointed out a difference in the spelling between the book and the appendix. And other people checked this out in their editions, and the same error was also in theirs. So the difference in spelling snuck through even to these recent editions as from the old ones. So it's probably true that our theory was this was an original sort of like spelling error in between translation between like Frank uh, doing edition one, edition two, revising it, sending it to the editor, going to print. Something like was lost in translation. Something happened. Yeah. And no one noticed. And I think our uh, hypothesis is probably correct there. Which is kind of fun. I and I can totally see how only a fan would catch that. Yeah, totally. Like no editor is going to catch yeah, that. Yeah, no one. How, no would, you, how would you? How would you know? What is the Frank's all- not going to go back? Back. Well, too late. Whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I believe he had a different publisher too for the second book. Oh, right. Because it was through. It was analog. Actually, it was so- at, no, no, no. It was by Chilton Books. Was the one who published them. Oh. They, they had previously only published um like uh I think it was auto manufacturing in manuals. Okay. Like they did manuals. And then the one guy was like, I'll give this dude a shot. 
it failed. He got fired, and then Dune blew up, which was sort of like a, oh, that's really sad for that guy. Uh, and then he was able to get a real, like, anyone would publish his second book. Yeah, like right, He, right, he was right. fucking gold at that point. Uh, but I love that that dude lost his job. Well, I don't love. I think it's a funny bit of history. Uh, lost Missed job opportunity. For approving, like, the greatest science fiction masterpiece of all time. That's ridiculous. Wow. You got fired. Damn. <laughs> Probably some other things, too, though. Who knows? Who knows? It was Who knows? the 60s. <laughs> so uh yeah no that's great that's what i got today though that's wow. the, the, the trends that bruno gave me hey so thank you bruno appreciate it appreciate it guy hey all respect nothing here <laughs> and i think uh mike does that bring us to the end for the week though? i think that's gonna be it here does anyone have a question for us do you guys uh maybe know a wine we could afford let us know we're on spice world pod and instagram and twitter and you can always send a diss trans via spiceworldpod at gmail.com and a very threatening bat will bring them to me. <laughs> very much so. And of course, there's our website at spiceworldpod.com and if you're looking for a way to support the show, come over and join us at our little sketch on patreon.com slash spiceworldpod. It's where you can find our exclusive Between Two Dunes episodes like Ampoleros, The Ladies of House Carino, and A Trip to Gamont as well as several more. Yeah, the Ladies of Carino is kind of a one I think I'll remember for a while. Yeah, what a, what a great little ride through. It was pretty good. I it just Anaril, Irulan, Wencesia, like yeah. they were so all over the place. It really makes me forget about Shiram as a as a person. He's so uninteresting <laughs> compared to the rest of the people really, in the household. Really, he was. Yeah. In all honesty, that like uh, Anaril and Gurney, almost. It could almost. Been. That's I'd ship it. I'd ship it. You'd ship anything, Mike. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about next week, Derek. Next week. All right. So what did we just have? We just had an Aaliyah. Oh, we had a great meeting chapter. We had everybody here. What do you think is going to happen next time? Okay. I thought we were going to do some traveling this week. We didn't do it. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Honestly, I think they're playing by their own rules now. I think maybe let's go back to Paul's perspective. Maybe uh, Paul talking to Corba. Okay. I think you're forgetting of the fact that how much time we spent in that goddamn room off of like the library training with Paul. Oh, we were in that room for like four chapters, Mike. That's true. Are yeah. we still in this room? <laughs> we're still in the palace. Oh no! In her dark spy hole, Aaliyah trembled. It was Idaho's voice, a quality of sound so precise she sensed its imprint upon her cells. Might it please, my lord? The Gola added. If I say his voice gives me pleasure, this is a sign, say the Bene Tlilax, that I've heard the voice before. We're going to meet hate. We are going to meet hate. And Aaliyah's interpretation of hate, too. Yeah. Because we know that he's designed in a way just to sort of like dissuade her from his true goal by just being handsome and charming. Oh, yeah, yeah. He is built for her as well as for Paul. Yeah. I would also just point out, like, she never met Duncan. That's ooh, not through her own eyes, but through Jessica's exactly. eyes. No, no, that's exactly the point. <gasps> Still, she never met him, but the fact okay. that that's okay. why okay. I love this idea of it imprinted upon her cells. Damn. Like, that's how this hits her. And if that's hitting her this way. How's it hitting Paul? Exactly. And I think we're going to have to wait till next week to find oh out, my Mike. Oh, my God, Derek. Because until then, <laughs> the spice <laughs> must flow. <laughs>
And so the Navy, of course, had aquaflage. We're going to blend in with water, which, of course, is the worst thing in the world if you have a drowning soldier and you can't fucking find them. But that was what Nate, Nate said. <laughs> the only time it works is you just can't see who's drowning. If you fall off a ship, you're just gone. <laughs> see a bunch of men on a boat disguised as water. <laughs> Or a bunch of men on land disguised as water. <laughs>